there, Truth Warriors. Welcome to the OFD Podcast. Oh, no. I'm host Joshua Bowles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of this union of our Constitution over at OneFootDown.com on the Espionation <laughs> Network. Join us as we take this journey oh, with Jude Seymour, Senior Editor, and Brenda McElinden, our Deep Researcher. Fellas, the end of the world may come tomorrow, but at least we know Notre Dame football plays in 2021. So are you wearing the tinfoil hat at this point, or does that come later in the podcast? Tinfoil is created by the reptilians to distract and distress all humankind. Yeah, but what about the mutant vampire lizards? I mean, where, where do they Vampire lizards? Them? Don't talk about them. If you don't talk about them, they don't show up. It's like PFF and their rankings. <laughs> Alex, I just a quick question. I mean, I'm sorry, Joshua. Quick question. Um, I bought the dip over the weekend and the Ethereum, and now I'm up uh, $21. Are you into the cryptocurrency? The cryptocurrency is created by the New World Order to control you, <laughs> control everything, control lumber. The reason they lumber just, is They so just bad. turn off your currency, dude. They can just turn it off. Uh, speaking of someone who has to buy lumber this year, uh, Ooh, boy, yeah. shit, shit. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we are getting our roof replaced cause it's, 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 it's probably more than 30 years. It's got the T-locks on it and they don't even sell T-locks anymore. But, um, every time there's like a windstorm stuff comes off. So I got a, I got an estimate in October, 2019. And, and you know, it's thanks to this. Uh, I, I don't remember if I'm supposed to thank president Trump or president Biden of this with the STEMI money, but uh, I finally we scraped scraped up enough nickels and our homeowners loan to uh, to afford a roof replacement, which is uh, estimated to be about well in October 2019 was estimated to be about uh, twenty three thousand dollars. And so the guy Holy comes back. Holy shit, dude! Yeah, no, I got a I got a huge roof. So the guy comes back and he goes, "Look, you're gonna pay six thousand dollars. You don't need to pay because lumber is just so ridiculous." And so I said to him, hmm, that sounds really interesting. What can you tell me about metal roofs? And he's like, well, now we're talking. So we're going to get a quote on a, a metal roof and may, maybe uh, make a, a change of this for this house. But uh, so weird coincidence here. I'm actually getting a new roof put on uh, July or June 3rd. OK, and we we were quoted at 10 grand. Uh, and it's a fairly it's a pretty good size roof. It's a decent size house. High pitch, yeah. too. So. Which usually yeah. costs a little bit more. The one thing we had, the, the best thing going for us is that the roof is only 20 years old at, the, at right now, and so and all the OSB on the roof is in pretty good is in good shape, and so we don't have to worry about spending like 80 dollars a sheet on on uh, OSB. Okay. And I guess I guess the quote includes three sheets if I need it, and I and I told him I said hey. I got a fourth out in the bar, so don't be fucking hard <laughs> to me. <laughs> well, I'll just I'll just bring it out to you. Uh, but yeah, that's funny. Uh, yeah, we're the same boat. Uh, just uh, man, this this was a cheap ass roof that these people put on this house uh, before he bought it. Yeah, and, I've owned uh, this house for 13 years, and I was talking to a guy who did you know who did roofs, and he's like, you got T locks on those things. He's like. I have I don't think they've sold T locks for twenty years, so he's like, You're at least twenty years old and he's like, I bet you you're over thirty. So Yeah, it's, it's time. time. It's time. It's time. Yep. 
That's that was my exact wording this spring. It's time. I put it off for the last couple of years and it was just like it's time. I mean, you know, knock on wood, but nothing has has leaked through yet. Uh but I think we're just we're we're gambling now, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, you're rolling dice. You're rolling dice. That that's I'm great. Which is not. which is why I'm putting all my free money in Ethereum and hoping that uh I can cash out for a new roof. <laughs> <laughs> I I can't wait. I'm excited because I have put off uh put off the roof for several years now basically because Carrie keeps remodeling uh something inside the house. Yeah. It's something I I have to, that I'm doing. Uh so I so we don't go to the poorhouse. Right. And so this right. is something that I can't do. Did you and ask I'm, her how many holy water fonts she actually needs in one home? <laughs> you know we well we you know we go back to uh uh the the pull the dispensation starting mm-hmm. for the weekend of June 5th. Mm-hmm. And, and inside that notice was also that holy water fonts will be refilled. Uh so we're running out of time Ooh. in our black market scheme here to get uh to move the rest of this water here. So, I wish you the best of luck. Yeah, yeah, I it's I'd say it has been so we had Ryan's we had my my oldest son's uh first communion last year in June. And that was the first time we had that was the only time we had gone to mass since the dispensation in like March or April or whatever it was. And so going back is going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a having Dylan in back in mass is going to be killer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, well, he's older and uh, more mature now. It's certainly well, more manageable, right? Yeah, 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 totally. He's not stronger uh, and more strong and more strong willed or anything like that. Uh, but what's funny is, you know, they, they post this on Facebook and the only people that like it are literally the ones that I know that have been there like four times a week during the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yes, come back. Uh, so I, I don't know. I, I do hope that uh, like our so our priest got COVID like just like three, four weeks ago. Oh, wow. And it was, and yeah, and he was, uh, he was in bad shape for a little, for just a little bit. Uh, so, but he bounced back and came back, but I just kind of hope that like, there's a, there was a lot of people, a lot of people, uh, at church that just were false belief of thinking once they walk through those doors, God has protected them from nothing could happen. Like nothing could back could ever happen inside of a church. Uh, they They literally believe this. And so the I think at least on the positive side of things uh, with Father getting it is maybe at least a few of those people come to realize okay th- this can happen okay so th- this is real and I mean they're still probably not going to get vaccinated because they're worried about the microchip uh, but you know <laughs> I uh, I thought it was funny because they were they were talking about I live in the diocese of Ogdensburg here in upstate New York and they were talking about you know the the bishops. Uh, order, which must sound very similar to yours, which is June 5th, the dispensation is lifted. And the priest is, you know, talking about, um, you know, the imp- the importance of going to mass and 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 that if you don't have a dispensation, like the expect- expectation is that you should be there or whatever. I'm like, you are literally preaching to the people who have shown up, <laughs> who <Yeah>. did, who <laughs> who know there's a dispensation on and still showed up. So 
I think maybe now, you need to broaden your message, but hey. so the Fort Wayne, uh, the Fort Wayne South Bend Diocese, they actually have their dispensation lifts a week after uh, Toledo's. Mm. So I don't know if they're like, I don't know if they're just kind of like waiting and seeing a little bit, or if, or maybe they just got their their dates crossed and their Zoom meetings uh, about what's going on. But yeah, it, it was a little, it was also- a little. Goofy we also that. had a funny moment where, like, they made no announcement about the masks, right? And so in, in New York, uh, they've been following the CDC guideline, which is, like, if you're fully vaccinated, you don't need to wear the masks. Um, and, and so, like, people were kind of like, you know, uh, what to do here? You know, like, does the church have its own rules? And so the priest says at the end, if you're wondering why we didn't say anything about the masks, mask it's because with the diocese and their direction about the mask said if you're fully vaccinated you don't need to wear the mask but if you're standing next to a vaccinated person or you're singing in proximity to a vaccinated person you do need to wear a mask so it's contradictory so we didn't know what to tell you <laughs> so yeah <laughs> you're like just do whatever makes you feel comfortable i was like eh, sounds I, good i think it's like we've so my wife and i are both vaccinated fully Two shot Moderna's t- hashtag Team Moderna. Uh, and but uh, we are. Sir. No, sir. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> still like talking about, debating about. So my daughter is 12, so she's eligible to get a Moderna now. Ooh. And so we're still debating about that. Like we, we haven't really come to a full decision on that yet. Um, if it was me, I would. I said, "Fuck, send her. Go get the shot." Uh, my <laughs> wife is a little. A little more hesitant. She wants to talk uh, to the doctors a few more times. And that's, uh, hey, she's the medical professional, not me. <laughs> yeah, of course. I defer, I, I defer to her. Uh, so, uh, but it's, it's, we've gone to a few, like we had a dance recital for my daughter. And no, you know, there no masks in there at all. We um, did social distancing. It was, uh, a little, it was a little strange. It was a little strange. My wife actually went to, went because there was two performances. She went to both, uh, and the the first one she was texting me. <laughs> She's like, "There are no masks, and everybody in here is hacking like they are going to die." <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, that's 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 good news." Twenty nineteen is back. So I don't know. <sighs> it's it's been strange. <laughs> so like, just going out and shop. <laughs> here I am hacking. Going out and shopping and yeah. uh, and all that stuff. Like, I'm pre- I think I think in the winter time I I may still wear a mask full on. I like I like uh I like the warmth when you walk outside. Uh, and I like like the distance it creates oh, with me. Snow blowing, people. snow blowing in a mask this winter was the best idea in the world. I don't know why I didn't do that more. When you we wore sled, you won't. Why don't you own like a gator or something uh, where like? Well, yeah. You know, I, what is that? Snowboard. What is it? Balak Balakava? Is that what it's called? What is it? I um, never know how to say that right. Yeah, it's blah, the thing. Blah, 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 blah. Blah. Yeah, they, uh, I have one of the, the, I have one of those, yeah. but like, um, just having the mask on already because like you're coming back home from work or you're home or what uh, from from work or whatever, oh, and you've got it in your center console. You throw that out. bad boy on, and then you're like, you're already ready to go. You know, so I think you should lean into it, Josh. I think you should double mask in all places and just wait for people to say something to start shit with you. I have a hard time breathing as it is. I don't know. (laughs) I I just I like distance. I always I 
the beginning of the pandemic, there was a video that still sticks with me to this day. And it was an old lady like crying about the mass mandates, like just bawling. And she's like, I can't even go up and, 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 and look and, and hold somebody's baby. Like this chick's actually out trying to fucking hold someone's kid. Like get the fuck away. Like I'm a people person. I like people. I'll talk to them. But if an old lady asked me if she could pick up my kid, I'd tell her to fuck off. Just me. Well, that's why I, I care. That's what was scary. It was like that. That's what that's what bothered. That's what bothered this lady. Not the fact that people are getting sick and dying. It's the fact that she can't pick up a stranger's baby, uh, you know, and and give it a little little nose little nose gobble. Come on. So I don't know. If I had worse teeth, I mean, I would want to wear a mask full time too. Maybe I don't know. We didn't, we didn't talk about this before, but do we have any reviews from our loyal listeners this week to talk no, about? No, okay. no. They, you, so just a you, reminder that we will read your review. We will read your review if you post it on. Um, where are you posting it? Apple Podcasts. Yes, dude. Apple Podcasts is where you want to go. Please leave a rating. Please leave a review. All your reviews will be left will be read on the next OFD podcast. Uh, those ratings really do us a huge favor uh, in the world of Apple, which is the world that owns us. Uh, you are don't don't try to deny it. Uh, even if you're using an Android, you're owned by Apple. I'm sorry. Uh, so uh, that helps us out. Get out to the masses. People are looking for let's let's talk about Notre Dame. They're finding us up there. Uh, so yeah, this is a big solid. Ed, you can become a part of the show. You leave, a, you leave that let's, that let's review. Let's curl a little bit. I mean, I think that in terms of the numbers that we see, and you don't have to talk about exact numbers, but like in terms of the numbers we see and for the podcasts uh, the SB Nation puts out, like we're one of the top people um, in terms of pe- yeah, our, our listeners. So yeah, we're solid. We're solid. So I mean, it's that's so huge that people have found us, that have stuck with us, that are telling their friends, um, and so you know to 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 keep it growing and and keep it working, we need those. We need the algorithm. So I th- I thought a lot about this the other day, and because I I've been throwing like for no reason at all. I just I've been throwing like slogans and uh, and just some some catchphrases out just for the fuck of it because that's me. That's <laughs> what I do when I'm when I'm mowing the yard. But I I believe I honestly believe we are college football's only Notre Dame podcast. And. I say that because there are a bunch of Notre Dame podcasts out there, mm-hmm. but I don't yeah. think you're going to find a college football podcast that talks about Notre Dame as much as we do. As the intro was almost exclusively dedicated to not Notre Dame though. Hashtag dad life. Hashtag dad life. Hashtag yeah. math problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it's a little bit everything, but I mean I honestly believe like our I think you know our philosophy, uh, at least for us for us three especially, uh, has always been as college football fans, uh, but we just so happen to be diehard Notre Dame fans. Yeah, as well. So, but I mean we look at it through the lens of we look at Notre Dame through the lens of college football, not college football through the lens of Notre Dame. 
we're, yeah, we're not looking at a singular. We're not. I think. I think what you're saying is that we're not looking at the singular tree that is Notre Dame football. We are looking at it through the forest that is college football, and it just so happens our favorite tree is Notre Dame. Yeah, it's a wild jungle too. Singular. That's jungle. Yeah, we're not so singularly focused that when when people make statements. You know, it's all through the lens of Notre Dame football, and they don't have like a point of reference or um, context behind statements that are made. Like any like Cincinnati every, every team, team out there at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like every other team is stationary, and Notre Dame is the only one that has maybe some issues or things that are in flux, or why are things the way that they are? Why can't Notre Dame just win a national title? I don't know. Why is Alabama the only team that can seemingly win a national title these days, right? Seeing as how they've won, what is it, six of the last 14 or whatever it is? That seems little. Yeah. I, I have to go back impressive. and count. But it's still, yeah, like, like that's really dangerously impressive. And I'm still thinking, like, it seems like we're short in them one or two. <laughs> out of the last been a few. Clemson's beaten them twice, so they could have, uh, could have eight. I mean, we all know that, uh, I mean, basically, unless you're Florida State, all roads go through Tuscaloosa, though. I mean, I mean, (laughs) whether Alabama wins it, you either got to, you're either Alabama or you got to beat Alabama, unless you're Florida State and you get that fucking, get that pass. Like, you you got snuck. And and, and I'm a full believer. I'm a full believer in the, the zombie Alabama uh, theory too, which is you gotta you gotta do two shots because the first one never actually kills them. No. Yeah. Oh no. no, no. Yeah. I mean, it, just because Alabama loses in a regular season, that doesn't mean it's a bull game. They don't even <laughs> need. Listen, listen. I, they don't even need to win. They don't even need to not, not even win their conference. They don't even need to go to, to their play in the conference championship. Yeah. They can, they just, yeah, they're, they're, the the only, they're the only ones that I don't get mad about. Like when you talk about like they didn't even win their division. If it's Alabama, yeah, like, I just like it's it's fucking it's Alabama. What what point do you try to make? Here? I just I don't even get mad at that because I, I that's what I hope I always hope for right, which is that we have more people who don't win their division uh, who end up playing in the college football playoff because well, then we can kill one of the c- terrible Listen, canards of well, the Alabama, argue, college football arguments. The year they got blanked by Clemson, right? And I think uh, who's the there was a Clemson there was a Clemson defensive lineman who goosed an, an Ohio State player. Do you remember hearing about this? It was the oh, year yeah, oh yeah, nothing. And it was one of their vaunted D linemen from that, uh, you know, the ones that all came back in 2018 and crushed Notre Dame. Um, right. But yeah, like he goosed the Ohio State player in a like a fumble pileup, like full finger. Right up the old poop shoot. Yeah, that's a, I said I said goose is a is a kind term for what he did really. Yeah. Uh, prison rape would be a uh, would probably be a better term. There's countries in the Middle East where you get stoned for pulling that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean Alabama shit, dude. Nick Saban, I've come, I've dude, I've done a complete 180 on Nick Saban. Like you you want to hate him. Right. Like you, you absolutely want to because it's it's Saban and it's Bama and all this shit. But if you step back, if you just take a side step back and look at him, you're like, without I mean, without question, he is the greatest college football coach that has ever lived. 
And I, I've been, the, I've been in the arguments of, well, he couldn't do it if he was here or there, or there, whatever. Does it matter now? I mean, how many more national championships does he need to win before that claim, before you just accept it? Like I've accepted it. Like I've been beaten down by Nick Saban. And to be honest with you, like the more I listen to Nick Saban, the more I, I hear him talk about either A to recruits or at a coaching clinics or just up in a, I mean, just up there telling the press to fuck off. I mean, yeah, the, the one that stuck out with me the most and I, I just saw the video. It, this was several years ago. This was probably five years ago. But I, I just came across it again, maybe like on TikTok or something, was when they were – the press was asking him about uh, like players getting in trouble and punishing him and this and that. Mm. And they were kind of getting on him, you know, like basically basically the questions I think were leading towards you're not, you know, you're not going to do anything more than this. And he kind of went off. Ed's really stood up for players and talking about and second chances. Yeah. Well, like, where do you want these kids? Like, do you really want this guy out on the streets or do you want me to take care of this and straighten them out? And it's he made such a strong argument and such a good point about what he's trying to do. And Bobby Bowden did the same thing. And, you know, look, they're not always going to succeed with, with these guys, but I appreciate them. Fuck it and trying it. Now, obviously, it's for the good of the team, right? Like, they, they want to win, and this guy's good. They want him. But at the same time, it's like that argument hits home. It's like I think it's why, best- I, I think it's why the Trevor Lawrence uh, we want to play thing got so much traction during the COVID, right? Which was his Trevor's argument, whether proven or unproven, was that if you gave kids something to play for, they would be responsible with their – with their masking and their protection and stuff like that. And they would make sure that they stayed in their bubbles. Um, but if you took it away from them, then they were like, right. You know, what's the point? I'm a, you know, 21 year old invincible, uh, bring it on. I'm, you know, it's going to be like a bad flu, you know? So. Right. Yeah. It was, uh, oh, shit, that, that name just came back. So it was, uh, he made the argument for Moose and Muhammad when he was at Michigan state, got into yeah. some trouble. And people were looking for him to boot him off. And instead, he kept him on. The kid did his punishment internally. And, you know, Saban said, you know, now he is a, you know, he went to the league and did quite well. He is a father of like five or six kids. And he has his own business now. Now, do you think it'd be better if Saban would have kicked him off and sent him down a path of, uh, you know, a fuck around? Is he still on the same good spot as a human being now? And that's a great point. Like, I don't know. Like, Notre Dame really didn't have much of an option with with Kevin Stefferson. Yeah. Like, and I, that, I, I swear. Yeah, Notre Dame is in a more, much more difficult spot than Big State U, as yeah. far as this stuff goes. I, I also I think that there's a difference between – the way that Nick Saban handles these particular issues where he gets out in front of it. And I think he actually mentors the kid and the way that you see like urban Meyer, the way that he did it. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily, I don't think that you could put Aaron Hernandez on urban Meyer. I think that's grossly unfair. Um, But I do think that you can look at 
the way that a lot of the kids that Urban Meyer recruited and coached throughout the year, sort of their after years at Florida when and then you don't really see that so much with kids that go to Alabama. I think I, I do think that they I mean, that's not to say that they don't have kids that get arrested. I think um uh what's his name? Uh Josh Jacobs got hit with the DUI. But yeah. this well, it's this DUI. One. It's yeah. yeah like, I don't. I don't. I don't play with you. Like Urban, Urban like had a bad track record with the with the the players. But the Zach looking the other way on the Zach Smith stuff was just so problematic. I, well, I, think, I, that, I think that that's, that's all that's, sort of wrapped into one with yeah. Urban. Yeah, I think that speaks to what Urban. Like that's the difference between Urban and and Saban. I think like like Saban. Speaking of coaches, Saban's well known for what giving second chances to coaches, like guys mm-hmm. who have like Sark. crashed Sark. and burned. Kiffin. Come on in. And they, these guys are analysts. And what he's done is get, kind of give Nick Saban is the fucking rehab center for, for college coaches. <laughs> and I mean, you couldn't think of a better. I don't, who's the best coach in college football? Well, it's Nick Saban. So you can't think of a better person to rehab, for, you know, to get that rehab from than him. If he's willing to put uh, to put it out on the line. And obviously, you know, Look, Saban's no, he's no dummy. These guys are good coaches. They just did some shit that caused them to crash and burn elsewhere. And so if you can get out of them the football acumen that he can, all the better for Saban. But these guys really do get that sense of like discipline. And this is what we do here at this giant machine called Alabama uh, to get you moving on the right track. I just, I. So let me ask you a question. About Notre, Dame, about Notre Dame and how they're going to win. Uh, a na- another national championship. Yes, it can happen, but you have to respect, you have to look at Alabama and you have to think, dear God, how far is that gap? Like, it's not just talent. It's not just talent. And I think, I think Brian Kelly is a fantastic head football coach. He is great. And, but there is just a, such a gap in what they're doing at place at, at Alabama that everywhere, even Clemson, than what they're doing across the country, and it's just like until he retires, it's we're we're living in that world, and we're just we're trying to get that we're trying to get that sneaky win, right? We're you're gonna have to have that sneaky season, and it is what it is. It is what it is. I, I'm a you know obviously lifelong Notre Dame fan, uh, lifelong New York Giants fan. Um, there's nothing that Tom Brady has ever done for any of my teams personally. But I, I got to say this, 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 yeah, except lose this, this, um, this last season it's with Tampa Bay, it impressed the hell out of me. Like yeah, I, he, it hates, it hurts my heart that, to, to give any guy from Michigan kudos, but like it was impressive. He's, He's fucking great. And, and you're right. It was this year. It was, you know what it going away. It was going away from from Belichick and from New and England. Being forty one or two years old. This is what I yeah. think. Last, this year is what separated him from Joe Montana because I always wanted to make the Joe Montana argument, but the Montana Tampa didn't Bay do it. KC. He didn't do it in KC. He got to the he got to the conference title game, but he didn't he didn't win the Super Bowl, and that's what officially for me cemented uh, Tom Brady passing. Plus, plus, we got to see those sweet ass, those sweet ass Tampa Bay picks of Brady Marty. just being hammered. 
just oh, living his best life. Avocado vodka or avocado throw, tequila. Throw, throwing the Lombardi trophy from boat to boat. <laughs> uh, I mean, and there was people that were honestly like fucking offended by this. And I'm like, who are you people? I mean, I, who are you? This, I mean, this guy's living his best life. He owns Put your grandma's pearls back in back where they fucking owns that the... trophy. He's won more titles than Lombardi. He might as well he's be Brady. Probably seen that. Yeah, he's probably seen he he's probably seen that trophy more than he has uh you know his wife in the last during a football season. <laughs> I'd, I'd I just mean, would yeah. never quit on Giselle ever. I'd make excuses. Well, that's just me. I mean, you don't know what she's mad about. I mean, <laughs> I mean, he can't fucking throw the ball and catch it. So <laughs> I know that she's mad about that. I mean, I mean, I well, but that's a good thing. I mean, that's her defending him. Like, yeah, that's, no, that's her. Course. That's her putting down for a man. That's good. That's good news. Oh, shit. There, there is no segue uh, from Giselle and Tom Brady into uh what i'm about to say but that's okay we are now an official we are officially sponsored we have an official oh my god what is going on is that breaking glass brendan are you okay with what (laughs) are you serious you didn't just hear that like it sounded like you're um, you know that canister of spray that you put in your computer to like let the like the the fuzz out or whatever. That's what it sounded like right next to your microphone. For me? Oh man. I mean, it wasn't me, was it? I don't know. It was. <laughs> Anyways, was it Josh? I'm totally killing your ad read here, but <laughs> yeah, Connor's gonna be really happy about gonna, this one. I'm gonna mute. But I do have to ask: Does anybody have an Ouija board out? I can grab because I mean, that was some people somewhere. What? That was possessed. somewhere. All right, I'm I'm muting All myself right. so I can listen to this sweet sweet ad read. No 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 don't don't do do, do not unmute. Oh. Do not unmute. Okay. All right. Uh, so yeah, yeah, we're officially sponsored now, and it's all good. Uh, and it's by our good friends, Homefield, Homefield Apparel. Because why, Brendan? Why why? All of a sudden, are, are we sponsored by the good brand? I heard that there's a rumor that uh, <laughs> Home Field Apparel is now a sponsor of Notre Dame football. I Don't quote me, but is this true? Somewhat. Uh, great news. Great news. Uh, Home Field is now licensed uh, by Notre Dame to start putting the gear out. And Notre Dame has chosen to be the first school in the big new Saturday push that Homefield does. Now, here's what's interesting, fellas. Season two. Season two. Here's what's interesting. It's always the best Literally, <laughs> half of Notre Dame fans have been, like, chopping take, at the bit. Take my money, please. Chop, yes. Yeah. Yes. Chopping at the bit for Homefield to, to, to get Notre Dame. The other half of Notre Dame fans have no fucking clue who Homefield is. And that is fantastic. That's great for home field because that means that a, you have half of this fan base that just cannot wait to give you their mortgage. And then you have the other half of their fan base that don't know yet that they're going to give you their mortgage. 
<laughs> I mean, that's just great news. So home field, uh, if you are not, if you are not aware of, of who they are, what they are, let me just tell you, they're an apparel brand out of Indianapolis. The, uh, the guy, these are, these are IU guys. So this is, this is very pro IU, uh, brand, uh, but they're great guys, great guys for college football. Home field is the college football brand, man. I mean, these guys, these guys get it. They get, they, they get it. They understand, uh, college athletics and, I mean, not too many like up and coming like apparel brands get a story in the athletic. You know what I'm saying? Like th- there's something special going on here. They call it home field magic. Yeah. And they're probably right. But but Josh, I, I mean, I, I don't know that I care about other other teams or whatever. I care about comfortable clothing. Like what can you tell me about home field stuff? Well, first, I would tell you, you are a stooge if you don't like other teams. Uh, because I owned quite a bit of home field gear <laughs> before Notre Dame stuff, uh, because it is so amazing. But no, this is inc- this is stupidly comfortable. Like this is the so- this is gear that was made for the pandemic. Just dumb comfortable. Like you put it on, it is so soft, it's so fantastic. I own. I don't. I I don't even know. My wife complains about uh, my t-shirt collection. I own a lot of shit from home field. Uh, as well as their joggers, everything is just it's it's just dumb comfortable. It is absolutely fantastic. Uh, you, you'll feel cozy and warm. Uh, it's very breathable. So like you know, like today I'm outside all day long uh, working on a bunch of shit in my yard. What am I wearing? I'm wearing this rocking uh, Vanderbilt Commodores T-shirt that is just very light and just feels good on the skin. It doesn't doesn't rub against me the wrong way. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's absolutely fantastic. Uh, so they're uh, going to jo- be launched. Josh, just a small correction, a small correction real quick. I think that's, uh, Yoggers. Yoggers. Yeah, I think it's Yoggers. I would say for me, what, for dog- what, what's appealing, um, for home field is that the aesthetic of it is yeah. kind of the big selling point for me. Cause when I look at, when I, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to find some deals, on uh, fanatics recently uh within the last year uh aligned with notre dame and then obviously the bookstore um and i'm always looking for new notre dame stuff because i try to keep at least 75 percent of my wardrobe notre dame related <laughs> and i don't necessarily like the way that under armor has taken a lot of notre dame's shirts i, I don't like the aesthetic i don't yeah. like the, i don't like the busyness i don't like, I don't the, like the busyness the flashiness and, and i don't even like the when like they our don't understand do stuff I, even when they don't, even when Under Armour doesn't do busy, I just don't like the way that their logos pop off the shirt. I want it to kind of like blend into the shirt. And that's one of the things that you, with like Homefield is it has that kind of, and they advertise themselves as the vintage college uh, apparel. And that vintage kind of like hits on point. There's a lot of um, understatedness to it. They use kind of um, more old school logos. Um yeah, I, yeah. So I, that's, home, that's listen, home field, di- home field digs through the archives of these schools, and they do that to find those unique logos, mascots, uh, and all all the all the fun like like stuff related to that school, and they do that to make thoughtful designs, designs that that fans of that school maybe uh, maybe somebody from another school wouldn't even understand uh, a certain shirt, uh, but. Uh, a, it's going to look cool, and B, the fans of that school are going to be like, 
Hells yeah. I mean, dude, the UCF uh, Citronauts, mm, that, so that's cool. on fire. That is absolutely on fire. I I did not know until Homefield launched that 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 was ever a thing. I had no idea that UCF was the Citronauts for one year. And then their Karens and Kevins that went to school there at that time uh, stepped in and said, no way. Uh, we have to be called uh, something else other than Citronauts. I'll tell you what, my uh, oh, my, oh, my, my, high, my high school was the Green Wave, and I love the Tulane stuff that they put out. Uh, I think it's that, so good. That is one of their – I mean, Tulane, like, we talk it's a lot about – It's a wave that's trying to box you. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there's a, a surfing pelican at, and another one, I believe, right? Yeah, they got that good, like, periwinkle blue uh, – up yeah. in there too. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a lane collection is really dope. Uh, Pitt is another one that, uh, you know, Pitt's a, <clears throat> Pitt's a, a villain, a Notre Dame villain. Uh, but I can't help but, but really appreciate uh, what Homefield did, I mean, did in that collection. It's, it's pretty amazing. I cannot wait to see all of the stuff that Homefield is dropping. I did get a chance. Uh, so they're, they're, they're sending us some stuff here in the podcast. And I can't really talk about it too much, uh, but I, we did get some stuff, and I gotta say, it's looking good. I, it's very encouraging. Cannot wait to see the whole collection. People are gonna lose money. Yeah, yeah, your <laughs> people you're are gonna, going to lose money. So, <laughs> so forget about your decks and things and new fences because lumber is gonna be high all summer long. Take your uh, Dogecoin profits and put them yeah, into home field apparel. They can't find CDL drivers to, to ship this lumber anywhere, so it's high. Uh, but what you can do is buy a shitload of home field gear. Look, and I, I, I can't tell you, I got Vanderbilt gear. I got Loyola. I got Eastern Michigan. Uh, I got like, I got a bunch of shit <laughs> from home field. It's fantastic. I got their Yogers. Insanely good. Um, so, and if you are, so if you are not a, I feel like I'm preaching to the choir to some people and other people are just learning this for the first time. But if you are a first time purchase at home field, you can get 15% off your first purchase with code one foot at your checkout. That's nice. one foot at your checkout. Say 15% off your first purchase at home field. The, the Notre Dame line will launch at noon on June 5th, <laughs> big new Saturday, big noon, big new it's gonna be there, so be there. We we will uh, we'll have much more on it uh, on the site, especially the day the day of. We'll be talking about the podcast again, I'm sure. Connor, I hope this uh, ad read was up to your up to your standard. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I gotta tell you, look, it, it is not just the gear; it is the people involved in this in this company. These are just down to earth, cool people that love college sports. So I talked to Connor on the phone for like 45 minutes uh, a few weeks ago uh, when they when they finally let me know, like, like look, hey, we got good news for you. It's going to be Notre Dame. Uh, they're going to kick off our, our 16-week Big News Saturday. Uh, so, you know, they wanted us involved. I, so we got on the phone. We talked 45 minutes. Probably 10 minutes was involved with Notre Dame. The, uh, the other 35, we're talking about, like, growing up uh, – you know, talking about IU basketball, Notre Dame football. How many times did they bring up the movie Hoosiers? Our grandparents. I mean, <laughs> they, they, 
it got it, it was just it was a great conversation and it see i already had like a a, a pr- pretty well high opinion of of him and the company uh and then after that phone conversation i was like these guys get it there's no shit this is college this is college football's apparel company uh the good brand this is fantastic so i can't say enough good things about it but i will say more about it in the future faux show Tasty treats. Tasty treats. Uh, so yeah, so that's 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 all great news. So uh, just one more question uh, on Big Noon, June fifth, when these when these roll out, are how many designs are are we gonna get to choose from? I mean, besides buying them all, like how how, how deep do my bank account need to go here? <laughs> Fine. June. So I AMC don't. is up to seventeen bucks. I don't have the exact uh, I don't have the exact answer for that. Okay. But I will say that I'm looking at Pitt's collection right now. So we got 12, 16. They have 19 different SKU numbers for Pitt right now. Wow. Uh, and that includes t-shirts, hoodies, crew neck sweatshirts, a women's tank top. Um, yeah, Tulane's got 12, so. Yeah. So, well, how much? How how many do um uh, if we're if we're just looking at it, how many does uh Eastern Eastern Michigan have? So I'm really banking and hoping, and I'm and I'm gonna push Connor hard on this, uh to get some more <laughs> Eastern Michigan gear. Right now there is only three SKU numbers, which is less than Central and Western. And yeah, I, I was gonna. Not, oh man, I cannot hmm. have that. I cannot have that. Yeah. Can't. So there there is a. Uh, there is the dope ass uh, script. East Michigan, yeah, the scripty. That's Ron Ostrike, Ostrike Stadium up at Eastern Michigan. I had him for theory of football and theory of baseball while I was up there, and he was legendary baseball coach up at Eastern. Uh, really love, I love the uh, the scripty. Uh, they have that in a green shirt and a sweatshirt, and then they have the uh, uh, the just plain Eastern Michigan block uh, with a, with a black E on T-shirt. No Hurons gear there. I'm not sure how um how PC we want to stay. Uh, we do have the backing of the Huron tribe. I know that, but uh, I'd love to see some Hurons gear. Don't know if that's gonna happen, but I'm really baking on a refresh. Look, the brick dick still exists in its land. <laughs> the brick dick is still there, uh, despite my efforts of blowing the top off uh, with a quarter stick of dynamite and a crossbow. Uh, it's still there. Yikes. The only yeah, way it'll that, blow. My uncle told me the only way it'll blow is if a virgin graduates from Eastern. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's pretty much the legend that <laughs> that goes on. Yeah, there. Yeah, there was a night with uh, crossbows and dynamite, uh, and it's still there. So good for us. And, and thankfully, the the cops never found us. <laughs> oh God. You know, when you get old, you just you really appreciate the the good moments. All right. So moving on. Well, so let's talk about Notre Dame, fellas. I mean, shit. What are we? An hour into the podcast? Forty-three minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. No better time to start than now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So let's get into it. Uh, tonight we are going to talk about what we think we know about 
Notre Dame. And this is part one, the divination. I'm excuse me, part one, the offense. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, yeah well, so we'll get to a, we'll get to the defense. Uh, maybe next week, maybe not. Who knows what we're gonna do? We're unpredictable. It makes us cute. Uh, but tonight we're gonna talk about the offense and what we think we know. And the funny thing is, is that there's a whole lot of question marks coming in and that's absolutely fine. Uh, but I'm pretty sure we have some opinions on it. So let's just get right in into it. And I think let's start at quarterback. And one of the things that has really stuck stood out to me over the last, I don't know, maybe week, week and a half is some of the previews coming out, some of the prognostications and, a lot of them, like, giving a lot of love to Ian Book. Like Some of them. Really, like, like, really really selling it that that Ian Book, missing Ian Book is going to be a thing. It's a it's a big, big shoes to step into and, and all this stuff. And they just, I'm not, they really discount Jack Cohn, which is, I, I'm sure some fans do, but it just doesn't seem legit to me. Like, this is a guy who went to the Rose Bowl with Wisconsin. This isn't some. He didn't win. Well, let, let, let's put some caveats. First off, Jack Cohn hasn't played football in a year. True or false? True. Did Wisconsin win their. Why did Wisconsin play in the Rose Bowl when Jack Cohn was there? Oh, that's because of the playoffs, right? Yeah, because Ohio State. Ohio State went to the playoffs, or I, I guess Ohio State, yeah, they they went to the playoffs at thirteen and one. Um, Wisconsin went, you know, ten and four. They they ended up losing to Oregon in the playoffs by a point, but like, and they played Ohio State pretty good in there. In the they, they played Ohio two half of their losses that season was Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, that was a that, season that's, kind of a, that's rough. That if you guys remember the podcasts from two thousand nineteen. I'm not sure if I trashed Wisconsin more than in like a month. <laughs> yeah. Man. And so that was Jack Cohn uh, that I. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's uh, my thing is I, I think maybe they didn't utilize him well. The fact that he's a look, I didn't know at the time that he was a lacrosse player and maybe he had some injuries um, even then. Uh, and the staff maybe didn't let him run. So I'm, I'm interested about that, but. I'm curious about Jack Cohn. He hasn't played football in a year. That's a concern, right? Is it a concern that Tyler Buckner hasn't played football in a year? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I think Josh is spot on with, uh, with uh, the Dean Chris comparisons. So, um, yeah, I think it's a concern. But when I look at the transfer market of quarterbacks – um, at least the ones before maybe there's going to be a run on some guys once they, you know, the, the one-time transfers go heading into fall camp. But I think Jack Cohen's got to be one of, one of the better choices to have made for a quarterback. Don't you think? Is there, is there anybody else who, who transferred into a new school you would have rather have had than Jack Cohen? I think Notre Dame no, did that. And, and, and I think, I think we can probably put to bed too the idea that they could, they could have just survived without a transfer quarterback. Like they needed, oh, gosh, no. they needed yeah. somebody. So I know not, you, not with, not with Brendan Clark being hurt. Right. Yeah. With Brendan Clark hurt. How would you feel about this team, Josh Jude going into the season? If it was, 
five foot eleven, <laughs> you know, hundred and ninety pound. Uh, he probably weighs more than that. From New Canaan, Connecticut. Uh, Drew Pine from New Canaan, Connecticut. Drew Pine and you know, uh, uh, Tyler Buckner who he looked great for the first series after the halftime of the spring game, but he it's well documented. He he didn't play his senior year because of California COVID rules. And he lost half a season from a knee injury his sophomore year. So he's only had one real season his junior year of high school football. Against competition that was not that great. And he was supposed to be transferred to a better – To Helix in San Diego, which was, uh, I think, I believe where uh, Reggie Bush uh, played high school ball. So he was was trying to prove himself, trying to get ready uh, for Notre Dame. By that, by doing that transfer, uh, so it just you know, COVID happens. Shit happens. Everyone's got to deal with it. Right. Uh, but for Tyler Buckner, it really, uh, it really hit a little harder than than with some others. So, I, I I'm I'm not personally worried about a quarterback. I I mean it, it no. is what it is. I mean you know every year you you face the the prospect of. Your quarterback gets hurt, and then you and you say, well, you know, what's next? So, uh, you know, I I hope uh, Jack Cohn can stay healthy because I think he's our best chance to win, uh, certainly at the beginning of the first quarter of the season, and then hopefully we get whether it's Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine or or Brendan Clark back so they can be a, a capable number two, so we can see what what we've got for 2022 and beyond. Do you so, um, do do you know if um. George Takis has an arm. Like, can can George Takis throw a football? Because <laughs> maybe maybe Jack Cohn gets hurt before the per, you know the Purdue game, and we can give Drew Brees PTSD by inserting <laughs> a backup tight end. I love it into the quarterback. <laughs> uh, uh, like the Gary Garcia Award, which I which mean, is which is an awarded annually just in times of need. I just I can't imagine being that unprepared nowadays. I, I just I I wonder how we survived uh, Davy era and Willingham era football because it just there never seemed to be a plan B. You know I think one thing you can say about uh, about Brian Kelly is um, I feel like he's rolled with the punches. You know they, there's been some unexpected stuff, but uh, it seems like you know the the backups come in and they're pretty capable. So. I mean- Tommy Reese was your starting quarterback as a true freshman three star 2010, right? After Dane Chris Snee exploded. Which is which is really interesting to me because at that point Nate Montana had twice as many in-game snaps as Tommy Reese and then, you know, whatever was happening in practice. Saw, saw well, I think the problem is is that during the Michigan game, Nate Montana killed an old lady who was sitting behind <laughs> five rows deep in the end zone. Okay. And they had to kind what, of like what was your favorite Tommy Reese? What was your favorite Tommy Reese trick play? Was it oh, the, the flea, flea flicker on the on the first <laughs> pass that he tempted that it would he threw it right to a uh, Michigan player? Oh, so bad. That's so bad. So bad. So bad. So <laughs> I just so when at this time last year and even like during once we get going in the season. At some at one of those points, I'm not sure, I can't really remember when, but I was vocal about Brendan Clark being the number two, 
being the guy for next year. Like everybody was still whining about fucking Jerkovic. I uh, still pissing and moaning about, you know, about him transferring. Like he was going to like, look, that's him. He, he bolted. He could have been the starter this year. He wanted to be the starter for Boston college last year. So that's on him. Um, and, and I realize people will say, well, Notre Dame is managing. Okay, whatever. Uh, but that's still, he still bolted on. That's his decision. Notre Dame didn't tell him to leave. And so, I, but I was very vocal about, look, Brendan Clark's going to be the guy. 2021, Brendan Clark's going to be the guy. And then we find out he's got some issues physically. Got injury, needs some surgery. Now it comes in a ton of question marks. And for a certain segment of Notre Dame fans, that didn't phase them one bit because they see Tyler Buckner and they're just at, they are automatically penciling him in as a starter, as a freshman, which is just insanity uh, <laughs> to do, especially it's insanity to do on a normal circumstances, but under the circumstances that Tyler Buckner was in with yeah. how much he hasn't played and the lost season of 2020, it, it, just, it was insane to think that he would come in and be a starter uh, right off the jump. And so, you know, we, we started talking about the portal. Brendan actually, I think, was the one that I, I remember bringing it up maybe the earliest. Oh, uh, I've been he, pounding the table for a chance for quarterback. Well, you, I think you started the uh, the campaign for Grayson McCall yeah. uh, very, very early, very early. Uh, like, get this kid to transfer because <laughs> we can take him. <laughs> uh, but once, once, every, once the dust settled and it was Jack Cohn, I instantly became very at ease with Notre Dame's quarterback situation. Look, whatever, however Wisconsin made it to the Rose Bowl, they were still a pretty good team in 2019. And Jack Cohn suffered, you know, an injury. They had a hot shot. They made that Michigan in. team quit that beat Notre Dame. Yeah. Like, do you remember watching that game? And there were Michigan players uh, in the first half that, like, they were. I, I remember Michigan. Play, I I think it was uh, um, uh, what's his name? Charles Woodson was tweeting about the fact that like he's never seen a Michigan player look mm. like they quit. Was they were just like walking off the, the offensive linemen were walking off the field. Yeah, I'm like a Grayson McCall. Unlike a Grayson McCall, Jack Cohn has played some people. <laughs> hey, he played BYU. <laughs> I mean, he's fucking played some people. So I am I was very at ease and, and really and excited uh about you know Jack Cohn coming in. Uh and, and still am. I, I mean I am I am all I am completely on board uh with him being in. I I I think they need to quit fucking around and just and they can't now. Uh, it's going to go into fall camp. Uh, but they should have done it after spring and just and just say Cohn's a starter. Uh, but obviously they want to keep Drew Pine, you know, on board because you're not sure if, uh, you know, if he wants to bounce then, uh, you know, Tyler Buckner's ready, blah, 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 blah. But look, when it's all said and done, Jack Cohn's going to be your starter. I am very comfortable with him in that position. I like his arm. I like that he takes a few risks. He's much more athletic than you would think a Wisconsin quarterback would ever be. Uh, and that is because he was once committed to Notre Dame 
as a lacrosse player. So he's an athlete, man. He's an athlete out there. You know, he's he's not Malik Zaire. No one's going to confuse him with that. Or, I mean, or even maybe he's, he's not an Ian Book. But he's a guy who can get you some yards when something's not there. And he's a he's a bigger guy. We're not used to these tall quarterbacks. Like, this is like, what the fuck is this? You see a guy walking into the quarterback room that's over 6'1 in her name? She's like, <laughs> whoa. Whoa, what the, what the hell is this? Uh, and so, you know, he's a bigger guy. I like it. I, I, I think he is the right guy for the right time for Notre Dame right now. And the fact that Notre Dame, so this will transition a little bit, the fact that Notre Dame is their wide receiver room is full of guys that probably should have been starters last year, but they're there now. I think that's going to do a lot of good for them. I mean, you're going to have a guy that, that knows where to put the ball. He knows what he's seeing in a defense. And I think that he's going to be able to give them the. He's not going to be so jittery, like you know, like Pine's going to be. He hasn't seen that. He hasn't seen that much action. Cone's ready to go. You got these wide receivers, and I think, and and I'm going to be putting up an article sometime this week about some what ifs for Notre Dame, because I think there there are a lot of what ifs for Notre Dame this season, and if most of these what ifs hit they're in really good shape. I think they're in good shape regardless. I think their schedule sets them up to be good almost regardless. But I think if, if guys like Kevin Austin, if Kevin Austin is the Kevin Austin, we think he's, he can be. And Braden Lindsay is the guy that we think he can be. And Michael Mayer is the tight end that everyone knows he is. And Avery Davis continues to develop as a wide receiver who had a, who did a good job last year at developing and can continue to be a better. I think there's a lot there. Lorenzo styles as a freshman, there's a lot more there. Larry keys, Larry keys. Fuck. Yeah. Larry keys. He's a grown man. He's a grown grown ass man who had a very nice spring. Fantastic spring. I think he had a very nice spring. Uh, so there's a lot there that just doesn't have, there's a lot there with less production, right? Like you're looking at it. If you were just an outsider looking in, <clears throat> you're like, Oh my God, you know, they got nobody. But as knowing that exactly what they probably have, you're like, they just need the opportunity. And here it how, comes. How do you feel about the running backs room? Because I feel pretty I, – I can't remember, maybe maybe not since it was Dexy and Josh have I felt this good about a running backs room. And I like the two kids that are bringing in. I mean, Sebo, whatever. He's We'll see what happens with his – Well, I mean, thank God Kyron Williams exists because Sebo has been having some off, off-field issues. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's nobody. So, I mean, thankfully, we have Kyron in the back. Is that even in a paragraph about Notre Dame for 2021? I have 2021? no idea. How does I, PF uh, – if, if you gave me 25 chances to name the three players that PFF would name, I would have never guessed Sebo Flemister. Never. Like, obviously, like, look, he's had some off the field issues, so. They hired Tim Priester, so. Good thing, good thing uh, they have hired some ghostwriting for him. Because no, nobody. The running back room is is actually quite fantastic. Kyron yeah. Williams showed, showed himself to be a, a real football player out there on the field, a guy that, uh, 
can do a little bit of everything. I mean, he can take it to the house. He catches balls. He, Box. he There is a whole highly highlight reel of him against Clemson blocking the blitz. And what did he do on the first play? Yeah, exactly. Sixty. He's a, yeah, he's a three. He's a three-point running back. He can do all three things. He can run, block, and catch. So then you add to him Chris Tyree, the the Jet, if you will, who looks a lot more physical. Who's looked? Who looked? He looked a lot bigger uh, in spring. Yeah. Uh, who can take it to the house at any moment? And then. My boy, my son, my my third son, <laughs> arriving to Notre Dame in June. He's he's my third son, and he's also my uncle, uh, <laughs> Audric Estime. I cannot fucking wait. I I have I I've said it before. I'm gonna say it again. Audric Estime is basically T.J. Duckett reborn. Except he wasn't kicked out of the the coach's office. Yes, yes. Except he was. Except Bob Davy didn't fuck it all up. Well, this, because Audric has to make him pass algebra. Yeah. So. Hey, T.J. Duck didn't come here to play no school, Jude. <laughs> I, I ain't shedding no tears. I ain't shedding no tears about Will Shipley. I don't give a shit about that. Because that made sure the door was open for Audric Estime. And the TJ Duckett thing is so well, he was a fucking Michigan state commit. This is so legit. Audric Estime is coming here. And this kid go watch his highlights. If you haven't yet. And if you haven't yet, I'm not sure what you're doing. Listen to this podcast. Uh, I thought you were hardcore. So if you're hardcore enough, go watch his highlights. It's just, trucking man it is absolutely trucking and he's got he's got moves he can juke he runs you over the power is insane go look at his photos go look at this man without a shirt on or with a ripped up shirt it doesn't matter he he looks like he is a fucking wwe wrestler i i cannot wait it to have him as a compliment to what Kyron and Tyree can do is oh so exciting. Oh, oh, oh so exciting. I so that'll make so two excited. professional wrestlers in the running back room. Well, uh, you know, with him and uh, uh, Captain Lou Albano back there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who scored a touchdown in the spring game? He scored a touchdown in the spring game. <laughs> Uh, He's on your scorecard as Leo, but we all good friends know him as Captain Lou. We all know as Captain Lou. Lou, Yeah, Captain Lou. There's there's no way around that. So yeah, I love I love the running back room because there is so much to offer in the in the in the running game itself with these guys. And look, and we just totally discounted Sebo, and he has ten touchdowns on 105 carries, so he's doing his job. You He's know, Sebo Flemister probably would start for a solid like five or six Notre Dame teams over the last twenty years, right? Mm. I, I don't think that that's an absurd statement. He for sure, for sure, is your starting running back in two thousand thirteen. He's for sure two thousand seven. For sure two thousand seven. 
And if he starts seven, why isn't he starting in eight? Eight, uh, yeah. Well, Armando <laughs> Allen, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah. think Sebo has a longer run than Armando Allen ever had. Yeah. Oh. Well, after this season. Yeah. Well, it, Armando's longest run against Michigan was erroneously called back, saying that he stepped out of bounds. Was that a run or was it a screen? That was a screen. Oh, no, it was a screen. That's screen. right. So, yeah, not even a run. Sorry, yeah. Armando. Uh, like, you know, one of the great things of the Weiss era was Just the had screen. to trip me up on that one. God bless. <laughs> so, no, the running back room is legit, but I, I, you jumped the gun a little bit, Brendan. I, I do want to talk about the wide receivers a little bit more. So, a lot of schools out there, Notre Dame fans are bitching constantly because Notre Dame just didn't, they didn't play Jordan Johnson. They don't, they don't play the freshmen. They don't play these, these highly ranked guys. But there's a guy down in Georgia who is just tearing it up on the track right now that I don't think any of us thought he had this kind of speed and agility. And Dion Colsey. Now, we like him a lot because <clears throat> he's tall. He goes up, gets the ball, high points it. Uh, he's a he, he looks like a, you know, like a like a nice big possession receiver uh, that can move a little bit. But seeing his track times and seeing that he's got a little more wiggle, that gets a little more exciting. Like this guy's faster than we thought. Uh, and Notre Dame. It's probably going to need some need some help there at the boundary. And here comes a freshman. I mean, Lorenzo Styles, another freshman, another guy that can come in. He enrolled early, and we liked what we've seen so far. Another guy that can help to go along with. That's right, a bunch of guys that were pro were supposed to be starters if it had not been for injuries, mm. not for their play. But for injuries, Kevin Austin, Braden Lindsay would have been starting for Notre Dame last year if it had not been for injuries. Not because they couldn't, not because Javon McKinley beat, you know, beat one out or not, you know, it has nothing to do with that. These guys were hurt. So you got to take that into account. And I'm pretty damn excited about what they have. Now, I'm cautiously optimistic. I will say I'm excited, but I'm always excited, right? But I'm cautiously. Didn't, uh, I, didn't COVID I play a lot some issues too? I, I don't. Well, it played issues with Keys, and it played issues Keys, with Lund. Yeah, and Keys had uh, Keys had a concussion too that kind of kept yeah. him hot. So yeah, and uh, Lindsay was you know some COVID stuff as well as hamstring. Hamstring. You know the people people will bitch you know people were bitching that Kelly played him. Uh, that he, you know, he re-injured it against BC, but they were going to bitch if he didn't play him anyway. So, I mean, people are going to bitch newsflash, uh, but, <laughs> but you know, he looked, he looks ready to go this, this, I thought Braden Lindsay had a pretty nice spring yep. and you could start to see the, you start to see a little bit of rapport with Cone uh, and, you know, the receivers out there. I like what I'm seeing. We're going to have to see it on the field uh, come, you know, come Labor Day Sunday, uh, you know, down in Tallahassee. But I think there's a lot more there than, than you're, you're not going to get, like, Athlon is not going to talk about it because they're just going to look at returning production. You're going to have to hear this from 
people like us and people that aren't, I'm not a pansy. I'm not going to sit here and start whining about Notre Dame. Woe is me. Notre Dame just doesn't have it this season. I'm like, look, 11 of one is the floor. As far as I'm concerned, look at the fucking schedule. Quit being a lightweight. Quit being a fucking lightweight and thinking this is a maybe 10 win team. They're going to be well, favored in fucking pretty much every game. That's that's the wait. that's the funny thing about it because when when you broach the topic about what do we know about the Notre Dame offense heading into 2021, um, my immediate first thought was, what do we know about the teams that the Notre Dame offense is going to be playing mm. in 2021? And we've kind yeah. of danced around um, the fact we might very well be starting two freshmen on the offensive line. And spin well, we haven't we have got to the offensive line yet. I mean, yeah, but but discussing just when you say take a look at the schedule, I, I went and looked at the schedule and I looked at the kind of offenses that Notre Dame's playing this year. They're opening the season um, or defenses that Notre Dame's playing. They're opening the season against the 105th ranked scoring defense in Florida State. They are 90. They were 98th in the nation. In pass yards allowed, they were 97th in the nation in rush yards allowed, and they were 119th in the nation in sacks per game. So this Florida State team that's excited about signing Dylan Gibbons and bringing in Mackenzie Milton um, at quarterback, that's not their concern. The concern for Florida State is, is their defense is historically bad for the program. And then you play against Toledo, um, who's, I mean, they're a Mac school. So They're a Mac school. They're a Mac school. Uh, Purdue gave up 29.8 yards per game, uh, which is 67th in in the country. They were also 95th in pass yards allowed and 123rd in the nation in sacks per game. So Purdue wasn't pressuring quarterbacks, and they were giving up a prolific amount of yards through the air. Um, Wisconsin, um, yeah, they gave up 17.4 yards per game. Um, they were ninth uh, in points per game. They were 30. First pass yards, fifth in rushes. But here's the thing about Wisconsin. They were also 100 in sacks per game. So I wasn't doing total number of sacks because Wisconsin played a very limited number of in their almost 500 uh, season that they had also, there. Also, who who Wisconsin played makes a big difference. Yeah, <laughs> they certainly um, – COVID caused them to miss some teams, uh, certainly. Um, so would I – Yeah, yeah well, today PFF released their uh, their ELO rankings, which is like their their simulations. I think it was like ten thousand simulations, and however the hell that works, it's a bunch of fucking math nerds doing math things. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of people put weight into it. So yes. uh, I mean, they they also ranked Kyle Hamilton. They gave him a grade of seventy six point seven, uh, and just for uh, and I put on the site just to kind of comparison, uh, Florida. Florida's quarterback, Emory Jones, is rated 90.5. So just, as I said, think yeah, about that so for a snaps. moment. So many snaps. But, so he, they also so put him as one of the Heisman contenders, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, this is beyond. But here's here's who, here's how PFF has, has Notre Dame and their opponents ranked. Um, they have Notre Dame number eight. Yeah. 11 UNC, North Carolina, 12 Cincy. 14 Wisconsin, 16 USC, 28 Virginia Tech, 44 Stanford, 48 Virginia, 
65 Florida State, 80 Purdue, 81 Toledo, 88 Georgia Tech, and 107 Navy. Now, yeah. The first thing I noticed, those top four opponents on Notre Dame's schedule, and this is which is something that I've already noticed before. This wasn't a today uh, revelation, but just talk about those first four opponents: North Carolina, Cincinnati, Wisconsin, and USC. What's the common denominator? None of those games are going to be played on their turf. Nope. North or Carolina's even their at home state. Yeah, North Carolina's in South Bend. Cincinnati's in South Bend. Wisconsin is in Chicago, and USC yeah. is in South Bend. Notre Dame has not lost a game in South Bend since Georgia in 2017. Just making sure you, I can't, I don't know how many times we say that a week, but <laughs> just making sure it's, it's still being said. It is, as, it is not as, a, an, as an aside, I, I enjoyed scrolling, 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 trying to find Iowa State on the, their list. That was, that was uh, <laughs> yeah. enjoyable. It was a fun scroll. Well, um, I guess the last, where were they? Where, where was Iowa State? 20s 21 i think yeah 21 they had oklahoma state ahead of them i I guess well here's what we can do to pivot to the offensive line um of the teams notre dame's playing this year because i'm not going to go through everybody's stats um but of the of the 12 teams notre dame has on their schedule this year five of them were worse than were in the bottom 26 in sacks allowed Stanford was 104, Navy was 126, Wisconsin was 100, Purdue was 123, and Florida State was 119. So almost half of the schedule does not have a prolific pass rush, which bodes well when um, there might be some questions about offensive line. Maybe. Right? I... Anytime that you're walking in, and I think it's pretty fair to say that Blake Fisher is penciled in as a starter. Yeah. Right? Rocco Spindler, maybe. Uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how everything pans out with the guard spots and so, where they want to pair, yeah, put everybody. But. I guess, I mean, I, I guess early on I have, and I'm going to come up with, uh, I'll, I'll have out the Notre Dame death charts. My my projected uh, Notre Dame depth charts uh, later this week and maybe early next week too as well. Um, but I mean, I have Blake Fisher starting at left tackle. I just, I don't think there's any, they would not have given him, given him basically every snap at left tackle. That would have been that we know line criminal to waste yeah. those, to waste those yeah. reps. I, it, regardless of like, regardless of the kind of like the, the throwaway, explanations kelly had of like well we're giving these guys snaps because you know it's basically a thank you for enrolling i don't look blake fisher is going to probably be your starting left tackle the 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 big question really is what do you do with Jarrett patterson because Jarrett patterson josh lug then well i mean Jarrett patterson before spring football was not just penciled in, but like sharpied as your left tackle. Like he was moving from center to left tackle. 
But I think with Blake Fisher, what he sh- what he showed, and I think this is what's encouraging, actually, what Blake Fisher showed as a left tackle caused them to blow up that plant. And I, I don't know why enough people, I don't know why more people aren't saying that this is a good thing. Like this is like that's really good. If your plan was to move one of the one of the nation's best centers, because that's who Jared Patterson was. I mean, Jared Patterson was one of the best centers in college football. Yeah. If your plan was to move him to left tackle, and then you have this freshman come in who played well enough to like, oh shit, he could play left tackle. Now you don't know what you're doing with Jared Patterson. Now, is Zeke Carell good enough at center? should they keep Patterson at center? Should they put him in at left guard? I don't know. But, you know. Will, will they make I, a move you know, four games into the season and completely change it around like they did yeah, in 2014? I, which they could. Absolutely could. Yeah. Uh, but I think I think, I think think going to Tallahassee, you're probably going to see Fisher left tackle, uh, Patterson at left guard, Carell at center, Lug at right guard and Baker at right tackle. I think, I don't think a lot of people have a lot of faith in Tosh Baker right now. Um, I, I guess I don't, I didn't see enough to have much of a negative opinion on him, but he didn't really wow me either. in the little bits that we had, um, you know, between the practice footage and the spring game, I, but it could very well shift to, I mean, I think, I think maybe at the very end, it's could be, you could be seeing Fisher at left tackle, Spindler at uh, left guard, Patterson back to center, lug at right. I, I mean, lug at right guard. Maybe, <laughs> maybe it's Baker. Maybe it's Carroll. I don't know. Somebody at right, out there, at right tackle, but I'm not overly, I, I'm not overly concerned about it either. Like, I kind of feel like when you have all these guys replace, like Notre Dame does, and it's a full-on competition for playing time. And look, it's different in offensive line than it is anywhere else. They're not, they're not caving into star pressure. It's who can play big boy football is what it boils down to. So I trust when they say these are our best five. So, and they mean best five, too. Because all of yeah, these they, guys can really, play oh, yeah. any of the positions, which is which is right. kind of an interesting way that they've well, recruited over the years. Well, center maybe not. <laughs> well, we we we, we we saw some bad snaps. We saw some bad snaps wow. this spring. But Dylan Gibbons was a guy that they that they tried at center a little bit with very little success. Uh, so and we've seen Andrew Kristoffic yeah, there. The uh, but I mean, but I mean Zeke Carell is. is I don't want to say penciled. I don't want to say he's like entrenched as a starter, but I, I think he has a very strong inside line to be your starting set. It's probably going to be your starting center in Tallahassee. But if that, if that goes awry, hey, the best center in college football from last year is right here. You just put him right there. Yeah, I, you're not really losing out as long as if, you're getting your best if, five. Is Zeke Corral, if Zeke Corral isn't at? starting, if Zeke Corral's not the starting center. How do you reconcile with the fact that it's a Notre Dame offensive line that doesn't have a single player from the state of Ohio in the starting lineup? I can't even remember the last time that that was the case. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can you? When was the last time they didn't have an Ohio kid on that offensive line? 
2014? Yeah, I think it, it was 2014. I'd, I'd have to check. I'd have to check. 2014, Steve Elmer was on that line, right? He's from Michigan. From He's from oh, Ohio. Is he Michigan? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he's Michigan. For some reason, I had Ohio stuck in my don't, head on that one. Don't fucking confuse the Michigan people with Ohio people. Um, that's, that's criminal. Christian Lombard was uh, from Illinois. Illinois. So. Palestine, yeah. Don't, don't, you're not going to get me twisted up. I know uh, who's, who's where from where. I'm sure you do. Twenty fourteen, that's it, huh? That's that's like the 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 one exception. I don't know. I I mean I I I honestly could not tell you who was the starting line in two thousand fourteen. I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't, I don't Roddy Stanley. I don't Roddy know. Stanley from Vegas. Keith Martin, Christian Lombard, Steve Elmer, and Martin's from Indianapolis. Uh, Lombard's from Illinois. Who was who else? Who's the who's another guy? Uh, Quentin Nelson eventually was on the line. Jersey. Yeah, but that wasn't until next the next year. Yeah. Didn't he end up starting towards the end of the season because of didn't well, didn't he get some starter snaps at the end no, of the year? No, McGlinchey got his first start hey, in the Music City McGlinchey. Bowl. From from uh, Pennsylvania. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, so no no Ohio on fourteen. I mean it's. Uh, I, I feel like there was like probably a good, a solid two or three years <clears throat> where they didn't have a, a starting lineman from Ohio. But it's those been a while. Probably, those were not playoff run years. No, but, no, they weren't playoff run years. Yeah. <clears throat> just, just put that out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I guess I have a stupid fans trust. And Jeff Quinn and putting the best five out there. And look, if if you if you honestly believe Notre Dame has done a good job recruiting and developing their players, then shut the fuck up about peeing down your leg about the offensive line. Like I, I I'm pretty much fine with any combo they put out there because I'm confident that's the best five combo that they think they have. Let's let's go see what they got. Let me ask you a question. Are you would you be more comfortable with the fact that Notre Dame is essentially breaking in five player five guy five brand new players at different positions, right? Because even though Patterson, right. Patterson's coming back, he he wasn't the starter, and I'm not sure. I mean, Lug has been a super sub, but um, are you more comfortable with Notre Dame bringing that back, or are would you be more comfortable? having let's say uh, North Carolina's offensive line because North Carolina is returning all of their starters from last year all of the snaps how many are coming snacks, back how many sacks well, did Notre Dame have against North Carolina last year uh, they had six um North Carolina yeah, see, gave up 34 last year which was 120 there were only uh seven teams in the country that gave up more the returning uh, production fallacy uh which is also known as the great lie of the Illuminati yeah <laughs> Sure is. is. Is that just because they return does that mean that they're good? If you sucked, that just means you returned sucky players. 
That's it. I mean, North Carolina gave up 2.83 sacks oh. per game last year, which is more than any Brian Kelly. It's the most of Notre Dame hasn't had a team that's given up that many sacks per game. How since many? 2007. Awful. Just awful. How many of those North Carolina offensive linemen are projected first three round NFL guys? If you ask PFF, I'm sure you know Anthony Trash is is got at least a solid three of them in the first. Three I don't rounds. even think he does. I wouldn't even think no. that he does. It's no, just they're like, oh, they're returning them all. Cool. Where's <laughs> the running backs bad. at? Where's the running backs where's at? The, where's the where's how, the uh, how did Sam how how did Sam Howell do against DJ Brown? That would be a, a very sad trombone. Do we met? Did we mention Matt Haggerty on the 2014 line? Oh, yeah, he would have been the the left guard, right? He's, but but he was from New Mexico. Yeah, he, he was from Matt. he was not from he was not from Ohio. Yeah, he's from Aztec, New Mexico. Yeah, 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 you trip me up. <laughs> um, I think right, Matt Haggerty. He's from Aztec. Yeah, he was from correct. Mexico, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good. Sorry, I, doubt, I doubted myself for a minute. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just there's a lot. I don't know if it's because we have because we we're having to replace so much, but there does seem to be a lot more talk this se- this off season <clears throat> about returning production from other teams, and it's like again, I watched the North Carolina game. I watched Notre Dame just fucking own them on their field and i'm just not, i'm not worried like i'm, I'm, I'm sh- they are a good football team i'm sure but again i don't know how many times we have to explain this you have to normalize notre dame is a really good fucking football team they're good it's okay to admit it this isn't the charlie weiss era this isn't this isn't the early era. This isn't the early parts of Brian Kelly. This is post-2016. Things are moving along pretty well. They, they're they doing a good job. Our defensive line, like, we got to replace Dalen Hayes and Ade, you know, Ogundeji. Uh, And I'm not worried. I don't give a They're shit. Possible. MTA. Yeah. <laughs> and MTA looked really good. Uh, slipped down at the end this this spring. I gotta say, he looks so uh, good. Listen, he looks so good and so different that twice I caught myself twice grabbing my my roster, which for some reason I I had I had a roster <laughs> sitting on. So look, who the hell is ninety five? Like it <laughs> it took it, it to click. Like who's this DN ninety five D end? That's that's how different MTA looked out there by the way kurt heinish who's about to be a notre dame legend by playing in more games than any notre dame football player ever hashtag normalized dad bod that'll never change that 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 record will stand forever he kind of blew off the question when i asked asked him about it this spring and that's fine i get it but I tell you what, when he's 62 and he's back on campus to do one of those, uh, you know, one of those uh, things on the field, he's going to be talking about 
You know how many fucking games I played? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's a, that's no, a big deal. It's a great <laughs> trivia question. Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, COVID, COVID's going to created so much trivia questions. I mean, there's all sorts of good shit going on. And the fact that now we have, uh, you know, the new transfer rules. <laughs> it's going to be off the chain. College football trivia is going to be off the chain. You're going to have to pay attention. People are going to have to really pay attention to what's to what's happening. So pay attention to the transfer portal. Yes, that's that's going to be big. Pay attention to uh, just getting ready to start because uh, it's getting to that time of it's getting to hot take season. You already see it starting to to prime up. Oh, They're starting to oh. prime it. Uh, Oklahoma is right now their hot take. Everybody's uh, the, the sexy pick is is Oklahoma because well returning talent Spencer Rattler. Um, <laughs> it's going to be getting USC time of year where sports writers start convincing themselves that USC is great. Uh, never mind that Keaton Slovis's uh, <laughs> arm is uh, made from duct tape and balsa wood. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't. Don't mind the fact that Clay Helton is still the coach. He, Clay Helton is still the coach. Uh, the fact that they managed to win all but their final game last year, I, I am not sure how they went undefeated, especially those first two games with like the Hail Mary and like. What do you the, mean you're not sure? They play. What conference I, do they play in? They play in the Pac-12. Look, there you go. There you yeah. Go. I just. What happened? They played yeah. the one other team in the in that conference that that could do something. You mean the the three and two team they played, right? Because right. Oregon was three and two in the conference game because uh, Colorado had COVID or something. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean they that conference, dude. I don't know. So what's the, what's the name of the guy they hired? Who's the new commissioner? The the guy from the oh the, the guy the from the casino. MPM. The yeah. casino fight promoter. I heard him on Sirius XM uh, two weeks ago. I can't remember Brandon his Tartikoff? name. No, I can't. I, something. It, yeah, I it's actually, something Russian-y sounding. Yeah. I, actually I think heard it's him a, on the radio. It's a great hire for them because they need that. They need that casino toughness. He's, yeah, he's like a Don back, King kind of promoter. Yeah, they need to get back in it. Well, when he was on the – when I heard him, um, he had an interview on – I think it was Full Ride – and he was talking about what, what the Pac-12 needs. And the thing he kept going back to over and over again is they need to expand, expand the playoffs so the Pac-12 can get some opportunities to get in there so they can start recruiting better. Basically saying, our schools are trash, and we need you to expand the playoff so you can, uh, you know, equity, not equality. Let us, uh, let us get some of that, get into the playoffs so we can try and sell uh, Joey Five Star on the – you know, California not to, to travel out to Alabama or Georgia to play quarterback to stay in state. It's not a good conference. I no. mean, it's just, it's just not. And the fact that you, the fact those words were spoke just speaks to us. Like, please let us play with you. Like, can, can, yeah. we, can we play? Expand the playoffs so we can get an opportunity to get in there because we can't get in on our own merit. Was and Alabama's looking at and Alabama's looking at them like, are you fucking sure you want this? Are you? You don't want do you this really, smoke. Do you really want this? <laughs> Ask another name who has owned your asses in, in, <laughs> in play if you really want this. 
Because when I look at the Pac-12, and you look at the Pac-12 2021. You don't want this. Who who in the Pac-12 is good going into this season? Like, how do you how do you feel about this USC squad? How do you feel about Oregon or uh, Stanford seems to be spiraling out of control? I feel the um, same way about USC that I do most years. That yeah, is, post-trail. they are they are pretty talented. They're missing a few pieces. Not. I think they have some talent. They're missing some pieces, but their coaching's trash. They, how, does that, their average, how does that usually work out? How does that usually work out? It, well, they crash and burn. Their average <laughs> recruiting ranking over a four-year cycle is 10 spots lower than Notre Dame's. Notre Dame. Yeah. I'm just saying they, they have some players. Right. They, well, they have a number four class, I think, or number three or number four class in there. Um, I think, what, what was it? Was it the 2018? Is right, it their seats? Right, but some of those guys are gone. Like, I'm Ross Yeah, Brown, well, a lot of those guys about this Maybe last week. I'm Ross yeah. Brown's gone. JT Daniels is gone. So, yeah, that class is there, but they're some of their big not in that class are not there anymore. So I, I, that's the, and it goes to the narrative and you look at the schedule, right? Is, is it's a paper, t- it, it reminds me a lot of the ways of the 2000, it's like the 2015 schedule with no Clemson on it, with Cincinnati playing the role of a temple, um, where Notre Dame ended up going through that schedule up until the end, having lost to Clemson and they still weren't getting the respect that they had because they said, well, who have you beaten? You lost to the one good team you played. Well, this year, I'm not sure if there is that one good team. So Notre Dame well, could be getting towards the end of the season. And um, they're just, everybody's making fun of their schedule is kind of my concern. And I will be right there to point out to everyone their preseason bullshit. <laughs> yeah, right. They can't get out of this one because they, they just can't. Because even our own beat writers are like freaking the fuck out about North Carolina and Cincinnati and USC even. I mean, in Wisconsin. Yeah. Well, there is a game at Lane Stadium, and I've heard rumor that it's a tough place to play. And Toledo is one of the best teams in the MAC, Josh. Virginia Tech, uh, Lane Stadium being tough is uh, is a rumor I heard, too, once. When I was a kid, uh, and then I realized that Santa Claus wasn't real, and I was cool with that. Uh, ask Dexter Williams how he feels about Lane Stadium. Uh, I think I think you would give us two fingers to let us know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just I I'm not worried about a trash program that has done. Look, if you're a believer. And recruiting rankings, and what have you done well, for me lately? There's just there's no way you can look at like a game at Virginia Tech and think it's going to be any different than it was in 2018. How does that even work? Did you guys see some of the spreads that came out? I did. Yeah, they, they were they were a little curious. First of all, the over under, on, the over under on wins for Notre Dame is nine. Yeah. So 
you know, I twerk for that fucking line, smash the shit out of that over. Uh, but there was a lot of close lines. I think Notre Dame was favored in all, but Wisconsin was a pick em. No, I saw Wisconsin really... as a four-point favorite in one. Oh. Yeah, I saw Wisconsin. They were favored in every game but Wisconsin, where Wisconsin was a four-point favorite. And maybe it's changed since then because people – Maybe uh, I, maybe I did see that. I'm, that does they were two-point favorite against uh, – USC and Cincinnati. It was one point. One point. I think it was two point for Cincinnati, maybe one point for USC. And they were a pick for Virginia Tech. North Carolina. I mean, I'm usually the person telling you never bet Notre Dame games. But if those lines remain anywhere near that, I, I mean, don't legally come after me. But it, I, I, that's put the mortgage on it. Oh, I boy. just, I don't know how we could sit here and bitch about Notre Dame's recruiting, who recruiting the top ten class every year, and you need the top five to compete against the elites. We're not talking about elite schools. We're talking about fucking Cincinnati. We're talking about North Carolina. We're talking about Virginia. This ain't the same. We're not. I am not talking about Notre Dame football in the sense that they have to play Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State this year. So when people are like, oh, God, that's – you say the floor is 11-1? Yeah. Yeah. Why wouldn't it be? Why wouldn't it be? Just look at the look at who they play. And I'm not trying to tra- – I'm not trying – these aren't bad programs, but Notre Dame has just risen up to that shade under elite level that's it, not it, a bad spot no not winning national ti- titles but that shade under elite level means you're winning a lot of fucking football games a lot and, and to put some context on it too we were talking about virginia tech right do you know how many four-star players are on virginia tech's roster 2021 scholarship roster right now 20, 10 there's 10 10 Four star players, no five stars. We're not one five stars. I'm not talking five stars. We're talking four star athletes. Virginia Tech that's has like, ten of them. That's, that's like a normal recruiting class. Class. That's a class, and a, and not a very good one at that. You only got Notre 10. Dame. Notre Dame in 2022, right now with 13 kids signed or not signed, but 13 kids verbally committed. Right good. now, ten. They have ten kids in the 2022 class <laughs> verbally committed. And Virginia Tech has 10 on the entire roster. And this is not 2015 Justin Fuente. This is not 2016 Justin Fuente. No. This is 2021 who has just mm. completely fucked that program around. Like yes. just they're all they're in all sorts of like what the hell. I mean, what is Virginia Tech football right now? I, I don't know. I, I have no idea what Virginia Tech football is. They, they are a rudderless ship. What kind of no, what kind of identity does Notre Dame have? Okay, what kind of identity does Virginia Tech have right now? Yeah, I mean you can look all up and down the What kind of identity does Virginia have? I mean, what do you what, what do you feel about Virginia's prospects? Hey, what's Wisconsin's identity? Honestly, they are just a, a less talented. South? They are a less talented Stanford. 
is Wisconsin's identity, who plays mm-hmm. in a worse um, division of football. They don't have to play Oregon. Uh, they, they get to basically play against the dregs of the Big Ten West. And there you go. But who's the real tight end you? That's what I need to know. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> Iowa fans are making a, a pretty hard push for it. Where's the voting at? You know, I voted you know, for Notre Dame. If I, was an Iowa, if I was an Iowa fan, I would be – I would have my dick out for Iowa tight ends. <laughs> I'm not – I – they they have a very valid, they have a very valid like yeah. I will Kittle. I'll still sit here and I'll still sit here and I'll also scream tight end you for Notre Dame because yeah because I might dick out for them, but if I was an Iowa fan, oh buddy, that's a they have a hell of an argument. They have a hell of an argument. They look other schools do other thing do things well. Iowa has done a great job with their tight ends. Iowa is just like the funniest program. I I gotta be honest. I I really I, I've never re- I don't think I've ever read anything purposely by Manny Navarro, but I thought he ex- he approached that article the exact way a Miami beat writer should uh, approach it, which is with a bunch of false bravado and and swag. Um, and you know, <laughs> and he took he took the he took the data points and made it you know his the strongest case and. And I thought he did a great job, although they're getting absolutely murdered in the uh, in the poll. So, yeah, I mean, they're... without question, Miami has some great tight ends. And and by the and just real quick, I want to give a a special shout out to I, I don't know where they're at right now, but uh, Greg Olson, his son right now is, is. Oh my God! Yeah. Yeah, they're they are in. Uh, he's fighting for his life, and and uh, Olson, I think he tweeted yesterday or today uh, that they're 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 basically just pretty much waiting uh, for the inevitable to happen, which is just stupidly sad. Uh, so my heart goes out to him and to his family. Uh, it's 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 awful, and I, that was the first thing that popped up when I thought about Miami tight ends, thought of Greg Olson, uh, but and but then what their family's going through right now is just like holy shit. That's three heart surgeries for that little boy. It's it's insane. So, yeah. and as a, a dad uh, of an eight year old, that kind of that hits personal too. You know, just to know yeah. that your kid's in pain. So, yeah, it's it's it, it, that's so, that's terrible. Yeah. So, if you, listen, I don't I don't care about the Miami thing. Greg Olson is a father, and his son has had a, a re- really rough go at life uh, with all these surgeries and, and the heart problems. So this is, I think most, most of y'all out there are Catholics, right? Say a prayer when you're sitting, when you're sitting down, say a prayer, someone up because they need it. Mm. Anyways. So putting this all together, it, it comes down to you got to score some points, right? So I've heard. So, so I guess what what are you guys is looking at Notre Dame's offense and looking at it in the scope of who they're playing? I mean, where do you where do you see these guys as like points per game? Like who? I mean, I don't go. Like, who cares if you're right or wrong? 
uh, you know, come November when we're, we're talking about this in May. But I mean, where where do you kind of see this team? Do you, do you think this is more of a thirty four point eight? Of course. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very exact. OK. Well, do you uh, disagree? Brennan, I, if you would have said 38, if you would have said 38.2, I wouldn't disagree. 34.8, sure. 31.2, okay. 38 would have made think, it the highest scoring offense in the modern era. I mean, I look at the defenses that they're playing against, and I don't, I don't discount it. I don't Look discount out. it either. I, I'm one thing I'm curious about is, um, the way that Notre Dame's roster is kind of constructed is, I think that I wonder how much of watch of Tommy Reese getting to see firsthand Alabama, um, in the playoff, how much of that kind of stuff they're going to want to emulate and try and do. That's interesting. It's sort of like, sort of like how. After so watching Clemson, after watching Clemson, you're insinuating in that that he could get he he might have been influenced a little bit by seeing that up he close from he can't wait to get Kevin Austin his space on the screen. Yeah, but not only that, but remember after the 2018 season, um, you know Brian Kelly getting a real firsthand look at what the fully operational Clemson, not the 2015, but like what Dabo had going in 2018. And then that's that was the summer that they started bringing in the Clemson staff to exchange notes on recruiting. And it really set off the change kind of in how Brian Kelly was operating as a recruiter. Um, I think Pete Sampson from The Athletic wrote a, a story about... Yeah, he, um, yeah. And I wonder if there's not a similar thing um, with how Alabama... Cause, cause Jack Cohn kind of has sort of some similarities with um, Mac Jones, Jones in yeah. that they have big arms. And I think that they're good quarterbacks in that I believe that they can get the ball to they can put the ball places for playmakers to make plays. And I think Tom, uh, I think Ian Book was a playmaker, but I don't think that he had the ability to get the ball to playmakers, you know, especially deep. And I, I don't think that that's unfair to say. Well, and I think a, just a slight amend is, is I, I think we, if you go back and watch Ian Book over the last couple of years and just look at the lack of turnovers that Ian yes, Book that's produced for Brian Kelly, I think he, I think I think Ian Book was to a fault were making sure that he wasn't turning the ball over. Yes. Now I say to a fault. And that has a negative connotation to it, uh, for sure. But I mean, he he did not want to be the reason why they weren't scoring. I mean, he was not. He did or not maybe want to Kelly the- didn't want because I mean, Kelly teams and not turning. I don't know. It, it it really it really felt like both Rees and Kelly wanted to push Ian to take a few more risks, and Ian be just a like playmaker. Ian was just like fuck that. You know, but I mean, you say that and then you watch Ian Book against uh, North Carolina when he's just tossing shit around. And (laughs) And so, you know, I think he was comfortable. He was comfortable making playing backyard football. He was not comfortable trying to press the issue 
to get 30 yards when he knew seven was right there. And I think Jack Cohn works on a different level than that, where I think coming from Jack Wisconsin. Jack Cohn's going to have better weapons, too. He's going to have an older Michael Mayer. He's going to have an older Chris Tyree. Uh, he's going to have that, a, a. That isn't said enough. That isn't said enough about what Ian Book did last year is that essentially he's working with second string guys, essentially. Yeah. For the whole season. And so, you know, I mean, I I don't know. That needs to be known more. Uh, And so he was just, he wanted to keep moving the football. But yes, Jack Cohn's going to have some weapons. He's going to have probably better weapons than what Ian Book had. And I think he's a little more of a, he's going to throw the dice a little bit more than, than Ian. You know, you, you're more excited about Jack Cohn walking into a Vegas casino than Ian Book. You know? So how that works out for Notre Dame in the end, I mean, I don't know. I mean, if it it's third and if it's third and eight, uh, you know, a 45-yard interception, you know, pass turn an interception works about as well as a punt. So, I mean. If it's third and eight, if it's third and eight, who is covering Michael Mayer? <laughs> true. <laughs> I mean, that, that's very true. Which I think is an important dynamic for this offense. Um, is like, well, I mean, so let me ask you this, and Jude. I want to hear your opinion about this for sure. So, because you have a a player like Michael Mayer, who for some reason keeps getting left out of like a top 10 list for tight ends, which has pissed Braden Lindsay off to no end. Uh, but. Oh, because big game boomer on. really knows what he's talking about. It was, well, was it, was it a big game? Oh, it was a big game. Oh, it was a big game. Yeah. But there, but there was another list, not by some random person that uh, didn't PFF. have mayor. Yeah. PFF. Didn't have, of there. course. Yeah. Of course. PFF. But knowing that you have a, so knowing that you have a Michael Mayer who on a third and seven, third and eight can get you that first down because he's just, he's fucking incredible. So on that second down on second and seven sec, I mean, having a guy take a risk and throwing it 30 yards doing a play action. I, I think Notre Dame's in pretty good shape there to take more risks on second down when it's medium to long because of having Michael Mayer. Do you guys agree with that? Do you think maybe they'll throw it on first on first down too? Do you think that they'll, they'll take the risk of maybe, maybe putting some air under it on first? To be honest, but, I, I, I think it's going to, I honestly think it's going to boil down to what they expect out of their offensive line. I think that, I think, I think that's, that, I think that's fair. I think, I they go down think that you, you, I think that you're going to play to, to Jack Cohn's strengths too. So if that means, you know, taking more deep shots than they took with, with Ian book, then, then yeah, then Michael Mayer's that good backstop. Um, so, the, so theoretically, yeah. if, if things happen and, and keep in mind, I, I'll, I'll quote you in my, uh, what if article coming up, this Notre Dame's offense could be more explosive and high be and score more this season with Jack Cohn 
under center than Ian Book. Yeah, but it's kind of unfair, right? Because we're well, assuming I mean, no, no, Kevin fair. Austin is at his healthiest and Brayden Lindsay right, yeah. at his healthiest. No, no, no. Which Ian Book I don't think that got. that's an indictment on maybe maybe it's no, more it's not indictment on Book. It's, that's that's what makes it unfair. Right. Maybe right. it's more I'm explosive but less efficient. Does that make sense? Where sure. I don't know Absolutely. if they're going to be I, the, as the Brady Quinn method. Until right. until yeah. Jude said it, I never looked at it as fair or unfair. I just looked at it as is. Like this is just what the offense is this year. Like I really didn't have much of a problem with Notre Dame's offense last year. They knew what they were. They knew what they knew what they could do, and they did it. And they did it pretty fucking well. Yeah. I mean, Clemson, Clemson gave him some issues in the championship game. ACC championship game, and Alabama gave him some issues in the fucking playoffs. Okay, that's going to happen to a lot of teams. I mean, that's it, that's Clemson got a second look, and Alabama is fucking Alabama. And if you watch, uh, Nick Saban talked uh, about what they had to do for Notre Dame defensively uh, in uh, I think a coaches clinic video. Uh, that was up on Twitter, and it, it was just quite interesting because they they knew what 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 was going on. But what I'm saying is Notre Dame did what they did, did what they could do really well uh, for most of the season. It I was, just think that it, if it wasn't for those last games, if it wasn't for those last before the last two games, which you, you can't do the caveat, but I mean we're gonna do it. Ten ten games through during the regular season, Notre Dame averaged thirty seven point seven points per game which would have put them tops right because the previous high was that 2019 season which was 36 8 yeah and then you know you think about the offense in 2015 right you think about will fuller and uh, launching bombs 34.2 right and you you think about uh jimmy's last season right 2009 30.1 and that's with a bullet cough winner golden tate yeah, and who Michael just, Who was just a god. And uh, a, a healthy, you know, and Kyle Rudolph's there, too. So, I don't know, man. It's Notre Dame needs to get over that 40-point hump, and they're not going to win a playoff game until they can get over that 40-point hump. Over two-thirds of college football teams since 2000 have scored 40 points, averaged 40 points a season. Notre Dame's not one of them. So how many play, how many playoff wins have been to teams that have averaged less than 40 points a game? None. There hasn't been a team that that's again. Playoffs. I don't think it's, I don't think any. Not one team in the history of the college football playoffs. Maybe averaged ooh. under the 40 points has won a game in the playoffs. What, did, did Alabama tw- maybe maybe Alabama 2016? I know Notre Dame accounts for two of the lowest scoring in the playoff era. Maybe 2016. Michigan State was one of them. Um, I think they were the lowest. No, Notre Dame was. Florida, Dame Sta- Florida State had a low one, didn't they? Uh, no, I can tell you in a second here. Uh, no, Florida State had a pretty prolific scoring offense, right? Uh, thirty. Yeah, thirty. Uh, 2014, Florida State was 33.7. That's it. Okay. So the key here is score 40 points a game. Yeah. And win your game, win enough games against the playoffs, and you have a better shot. You just need, you need more offense. Like de- defense is great. Marcus Freeman, I, we will talk about the defense uh, on another episode, but like right now, 
right now in the in the this snippet of college football history, offense is king. Your defense, even your elite defenses, when they go against elite offenses, are just trying to keep them around 30 points. And if you know if you're a defense that's averaging 30 points a game, you're losing most of your games. But right now, in this in this snippet of college football history, when an elite when you're going up against an elite offense, your defense just needs to keep them around 30. And hoping you're getting 32. That's a that's a whole different ball game than what we were just not even a decade ago. I mean, yeah, if you look at 2013. Um, just looking at the, you know, that Florida state team that won a title in 2013. Um, yeah, they, they weren't a particularly great defensive team. No, no. So, but I mean, being not great defensively, but, but you know, sometimes it's just boils down to turnovers, right? Like Maybe a team over the course of a season gives up, let's say, 24 points a game, which is pretty high. That, that Notre Dame under Clark Lee and uh, and I think even with Elko, Notre Dame kept it uh, 18 points or, or maybe 19 points and under uh, for for that whole run with Elko and, and Lee. And that's pretty good. That's, that's, in fact, that's really good. Uh, but – they did have some turnover issues where they weren't getting enough turnovers. So I, I think, you know, if you're a, if you're a defense that allows 22, 23 points a game, but you're an opportunistic defense that can force some turnovers that does some things in those big games, that's all the difference, right? Like that's just your, your trading, trading possession. You that's, want, you want that LSU model then, right? The 2019 LSU model where they had, 17 picks, 12 forced fumbles. They gave up almost 22 points a game. Right. But, right. you know, they had 29 how, turnovers how that they gained. How many points did their offense score a game? Oh, 48.4, man. It was Thank the, you. that thing was humming. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I mean, they, that thing was, they didn't even need that many. <laughs> they didn't. Yeah. The funny thing is, is they averaged on the season less points than they scored in a half against Oklahoma in the first round of the playoffs. <laughs> uh, yet no one wants to talk about that. No. No, no, of course not, right? Because Spencer Lattler is second coming. Yeah. With his bug eyes. They got Greenwich, New D.C.? <laughs> everything's, looking, everything's looking up. You know, you, some oh. prolific defenses up at Wazoo. <laughs> Norman is smoking. Uh, reefer, as a matter of fact, which is still illegal in Oklahoma, but not in Michigan. Not Michigan. Not New York. Not in uh, Illinois. Uh, it's still very illegal in Ohio. I just have to say. I saw some uh, some people uh, showing pictures of uh, White Sox games, and it is it is basically a giant. Uh, Giant hot house. They are clam baking um, the stadium formerly known as U.S. Cellular. What is it now? Um, oh, God. I, 
I don't even know the name Freecreditreport.com Freecreditreport.com field. (laughs) Who knows what anything's going to be named after uh, (laughs) FarmersOnly.com FarmersOnly.com Yeah. (laughs) I mean, who knows? So, I I want to talk about something. Are we done with the topic? Um, Whatever, I don't give a shit. I I finally watched two pieces of um, two things, two I don't know, documentaries, I guess would be the case, uh, that I had never bothered to watch before. One was uh, Notre Dame a year in the ACC, which came out like maybe at the beginning of this month, which I learned absolutely I learned absolutely nothing Nothing. about, except did we know that the Brian Kelly walked into the BC locker room and said, give me that trophy that they were so concerned about us bringing to this game? Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. Okay. All right. Because that. I, I guess I had missed that the first time around. I just you know, that, audibly that was, laughed. That was on it. That was on a clip that they that they released. Okay. Uh, that makes, I got that makes a ton of sense. That makes a ton of sense. Um, I didn't. I, I mean, I I I don't know what you thought, Josh, and I don't know, if, Brendan, if you watched it. Like, there wasn't anything in that that I I, I learned. No, we we saw all that pretty much from every bit that of. Yeah, it was just a repackaging icon, of Notre Dame highlights. Icon. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. This was for with a couple uh, really bland Tommy Reese, Brian Kelly interviews thrown in, right? Yeah, but I mean, but I mean, the ratings were good, right? Okay, they sure. were they were trying to squeeze the last vestiges of blood from the stone that is Notre Dame before they are gone forever from Notre Dame in the ACC. Yeah, right. yeah, uh, yeah, because they're never coming back. So they, so they wanted to get one last uh, one last programming bump. So if you're a Notre Dame fan listening to this who hasn't watched that, I would just I would consider that a skip, um, unless you don't pay attention to any of the clips that Notre Dame football I puts mean, out. Listen, I mean, listen, you are going to be starving <laughs> on on June 27th. Yeah. Starving. So go, don't listen to Jude. Go right ahead and watch it. It's fine. It's fine. You'll be hungry. I I am here to give you bread. And then the other one that I watched, this has got to be going six months back. Uh, the Tale of Teo. The the. Uh, oh, did you actually watch that? Backstory on ESPN. Don Van Natta. Yeah. I didn't watch it. So I, said, oh, I, you. I watched it so you don't have to. And let me tell you, um, this guy is like, and I got new, you know, I got new stuff from from Manti. He has no on the record conversation from Manti. He hasn't. He has a well. I should I should amend that. He has no on camera interview with Manti. He has a slightly on record in which he's taking text messages from Manti and a snippet from one conversation or two conversations that he had with Manti, and adding basically very little to it while also interviewing Jeremy Schapp, everybody from Deadspin. Um, you know, basically the did, players. Did the, the he get Tuiasa Sopo on the record? He did not. He did not get Tuiasa Sopo. Then get, so, get out of here. And, and and to be honest with you, Renaya is the winner of that documentary, and and Manti continues to be the loser, and and I'll and I'll and I'll tell you why. One is because you know he he Manti said he was going to sit down with him, then changed his mind, um, and then you know told Don something like you know I've got this I've got this other deal with Netflix, uh, they're gonna make a docu series. Renaya's involved, um. You know, I'm going to be the star of that. I can't control yours. 
it was just he should not say anything. He should he should be doing the Bartman on this, which is just like, you know, he, the one thing he said was I look back on that dude and I cry because he was just so naive. And, you know, I guess that the one thing I was happy with was the Don Van Atta guy is an investigative reporter basically came to the same summation that we all came to that had half a brain, which is that there just doesn't seem to be any compelling evidence that Manti knew this was a scam and was was in on it. What seems to be the case, and I think I think we all landed on this eventually, was that Manti took a, a situation with with a girl that he liked and turned it into something much more when he talked to Pete Thamel that first time for Sports Illustrated. Pete made it a big deal. And then he just ran with it. Like every time he got asked with it, it was, you know, it turned out from just it started with a, a girl that I really like into the love of my life after she died, you know. And again, she didn't die because she wasn't real. But, um, you know, I just, you know, I think if, if Manti is guilty of anything, it's it's a little bit, you know, he got himself in a situation where he bent the truth a little bit and then he had to he had to live with that. And he kept adding to the myth. And, you know, I the thing that I think the people who come off the worst are are the guys at Sports Illustrated, whoever whoever talked down the fact checkers, because it's amazing to me that no one I mean, Jeremy Schaap mentions it at one point. He says something to the effect of like, hey, if a guy if a guy tells me this girlfriend died, I don't go to the mortuary to see if it's true. Maybe that makes me a bad journalist. I get that. But when your fact checker says, hey, I can't find a Lene Kakua who ever existed, let alone enrolled in Stanford, like maybe that should cause you pause. Right. And this is a guy who finished second in the Heisman voting. Right. You know, this 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 wasn't just some random college football player. The fact I mean, Deadspin was complete dicks about the whole thing. But so, I mean, they weren't wrong in a sense where like, Everybody fucked up on this one. Everybody. Well, yeah, and and I think the point that Don makes the, but it that, I totally, that I totally agree but with also, is that when Deadspin says you're eighty percent sure that they're in on it, and the only interview you do is off camera with Jeremy Schapp and and a fucking softball Katie Couric interview, you didn't help your cause. You no. didn't help your cause. You no. had a chance to clean but this I mean, up, and you really handled it poorly. Right, but I've, I I. I think it's important to also point out, though, regardless of how much Manti leaned into it during it, it doesn't mean that he knew that this shit was fake. No. Like, he still thought this was a real person and a real, like, long-distance relationship, if you will. I mean, so, I mean, there's there's something to be said about that, where it wasn't like... <clears throat> This wasn't out of thin air, per se. It was a real situation for him. And it wasn't until it wasn't until the Heisman ceremony, as a matter of fact, that he finally learned. What the fuck was actually going on? And so if you're you're Manti, you don't sit down, you don't agree to do any of it. You just you. Yeah. Like like you said, you just say that was a that's a past chapter in my life. I'm not I I don't want to I'm not looking for I'm not looking to revisit. Sorry. How many people in your life have you been able to convince that Manti wasn't in on it? Because almost everybody I knew thought Manti was in on it. You know, we had this conversation on the pod and I I got a huge I got a huge blowback from the from the commenters. Every, Every person excited with you guys, which was like I thought I thought that the common I thought it was commonly accepted that. 
people thought he wasn't in on it. And you were like, oh, oh. no, oh, and no, so no, 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 no. I heard from the commenters and I've learned my lesson and I'm not going to go down that path again because yeah, if- I, I now believe like you guys believe, which is that that most people left that conversation or left that whole scenario thinking, well, he had something to do with it. And, and to yeah, honest, basically, if you are not did, a fan of Notre Dame, he, you believe that he was in on and the, for the record. He did have something to do with it. He lied to his dad about meeting Lene. Right. That's yep. a huge problem no. because and his he dad lied is about the one, how serious he's, his dad is the he's, one that t- talks to the South Bend Tribune. And that is the thing that starts the whole snowball. Right. The Pete Thamel comes in and ask, starts asking the questions. He's the one that says to Pete, like, you know, he can't answer basic questions about her. But then she dies and it's like the tearful ESPN interview, love of my life, ESPN game day thing. Right. And so, you know, he, there is some complicity here. It just the difference is, as Josh points out correctly, it's not like he called up Renai and says, hey, here's what we're going to do. Right. He's a, he is a victim here. He just um, he got, you know, he got in too deep and then he realized guess, once cool, he got caught, it was I, it was bad, you know. A great way, and I and I literally said, "Great!" Like I was the <laughs> the bishop from Princess Bride. Mowage. Great, yeah. A gr- a great way to to think about this is that it, it's it really is a lot like say a buddy of yours goes out on a date with a girl, and he comes back and you ask, "Hey man, how'd the date go?" Oh man, this chick was insane. She was all over me. You know, we went went back to her place and did this and blah 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 blah. And turns out it was anything but him hooking up with her. It, she it was just a, re, a normal like short like not a bad date but just like just like a a throwaway date. Nothing happened. But he lied and said, you know, that he hooked up with her. But, you know, he's not interested. He's not going to call her back or nothing like that. That happens all the time. Many of you out there have friends that have have, have, have told you that. It's, it's called a guy thing, whatever you want. There's the embellishment. Tao fell into that trap. Sure. It was the embellishment of a relationship with this person, whatever, I mean, I'm going to say person because that's just how we're, that's the best way to say it, I guess. Right. It was the embellishment. And the thing is, once you, you come to a point where it's either not even that you come clean, it's, there's a point where you either dismiss it altogether or you lean into it. Right. And instead of just dismissing it, Tao fucking leaned into it. And it's not that he was wrong in that it, it was not that he thought or not that this was a completely made up hoax. It was just that he leaned into this relationship being more than it really was. Right. And again, I've, I've defended Manti in the set in the past in this sense and that the, the culture that he came up with is very trusting. It is very, you know, it's, it's a very kind of like family trusting culture. And there's a naive, there was a naivety to, to, to him. Mm-hmm. And once he kind of, once you get his trust, you have his trust. Like Tao is the kind of guy where 
he would have sent money to the Nigerian prince. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It that doesn't make him a bad person at all. It just means that he's naive and got duped and then got scared of being looked at as a fool. You know, you're when you're 19, 20, 21 years old, one of the worst things that could ever happen in your in your mind a lot of times is being looked at as a fool or as a dupe. You know what I mean? Like this think back to when you were that age, like image, you know, not necessarily image, but what people think about you matters a lot to you. Like at 42, I don't really don't give a fuck what most people think about me, except for you, my listeners and readers. I love you guys. Please <laughs> love me back. Show me love. But at, at that age, you're really, you, it really concerns you. And when you're in the spotlight like he is and being as naive as he is, you, you just don't, you don't want to be looked at as, as the dupe. And so he leaned into it. He gave it, he, he threw out the, the white lies and all that to, to get by. And it worked for a whole season. It worked. And then the bombshell came at him like, what he thought this was, wasn't, and it was so much bigger. And it's, I, you can't, I, I mean, I really can't do anything but feel for him just knowing that, you know, he got himself into a situation and that situation was 20 times worse than he th- thought it was. Cause you know that he knew that what he was like kind of selling was a little bit of bullshit, not a little bit, but bullshit. You knew that he knew that that was bullshit. But he didn't know how much bullshit until until he got that, you know, got that call like that it was Renaya or whatever. By the way, I, um, you know, a, a guy that I graduated with who's who I think was the managing editor of the Observer at the time, uh, Mike Connolly, he he's he's made this point repeatedly. And I, I think it's bears mentioning Notre Dame sucked at its response. It knew December 26 um, yep. that this whole thing was uh was a hoax. Um, At that time, the decision was made that they did not want this to be a distraction from the January 7th bowl game, the championship game that was played against Alabama. Fine. Totally understand. January 10th, ESPN gets a call from Teo's agent saying it's a hoax. And, you know, they hold on the story because they want an on-camera interview with, with Teo. January 16th is when the Deadspin article publishes. So that means between December 26th, and January 16th, Notre Dame did absolutely nothing to get ahead of the story. They just they they banked on the fact that no one would ever come forward on the story, which is ridiculous. And I and I get waiting until January 7th, but this should have been January 8th, January 9th story. I, I just I, exactly. you don't wait. You don't wait for that spin to create the narrative, because, again, when we talk about do people think he's complicit, it's all based off of that first dead spin story and this in the subsequent um, you know, f- roll out of the, the response. Right. The, the so whole pathetic. narrative, the entire narrative shaped by Deadspin was shaped by Deadspin. It could have been drastically different had Notre Dame got out in front of it for Teow. I just, it would have been drastic. And look, Notre Dame, I, I could not, there isn't another player that I know of over the last 10, 15 years 
you, you talk to people, you know, around the program, people that cover him. Teo was the most beloved son of Notre Dame. They fucking loved him. And that's great, but they did him dirty by not helping him out. It was. Do you think long term that that's hurt Notre Dame moving forward, and that they can't use Manti Teo as much as of a marketing and recruiting well, tool? Like if that never, if that, if that never happened, I tell you what, if, if he his was a, story, if he was a Pro Bowler, yeah. they would use the shit out of yes. him. Yes, I think Teo's performance in the NFL uh, did more did more about that than than the host. <sighs> mm, I don't know, man. I I think that I mean, even if he was a Pro Bowler in the NFL, there still would have been sort of the the stigma of the the situation that would have been there that I think would have I I harmed. Think about you. what they do with Rudy, and he was in a pump and dump SEC scheme. <laughs> like, don't tell yeah, me they wouldn't. The, no, they, no, no, no. Here's the thing with Rudy, though. Rudy set his narrative. So now that all of this shit's coming out with Rudy, true. nobody cares about that. He, <laughs> he got to set the narrative. So when Joe Montana goes on the Dan Patrick show and says that Joe Rudy's full of shit, nobody cares because Rudy set the narrative. So if if, if Teow had been able to set the narrative. Um, maybe this is different and nobody, nobody would have cared about, you know, it. Well, I don't know. Lou Holtz has said some really shitty stuff and Notre Dame barely distanced itself only the last time he said something. So. Cause Lou Holtz set the narrative. <laughs> yeah, he did set the narrative. What I don't know. I, I, I you can do anything I, you want. I would, I would shoot on this. If, if Taya went and had a, a, a better NFL career, maybe you see more about it. But I mean, it's not like he's, it's not like he's not talked about. I mean, Teo, like, look, Teo, Jalen Smith, Jeremiah Wusakormoa, three Buckus Award winners uh, during Brian Kelly's time at Notre Dame. That, trust me when I say that is being sold like a motherfucker. So, I mean, Teo fits in to the narrative. I mean, he is the most decorated defensive player in college football history. Period. That's being sold. It may not be on the uh, as much on the public level, but anytime they're recruiting a kid and they're laying out bullet points, that is absolutely being sold. Prince Kali, I guarantee you, he, he got every bit of that. Every bit of the Tao bit from Notre Dame. He's probably nine not, years old when all that went down, by the way. Right, but I mean, but that's the, but that's the Brian Kelly era, though. Yeah, no, it is. The great thing about keeping a coach is that you know, for this long, is that even when a player is basically irrelevant to this day and age, which Tao is, you know, mostly, you still get to use him because that you coached him. So, hey, yeah, I. He would be he would be used a lot more if he had a better time in the league, uh, but I I still think that he's still widely shown about as far as someone who can do, do it at Notre Dame. And when it comes to Hawaii recruits, none of the none of the catfish and shit matters. None of it does. Yeah. So I mean, 
that and that's that that's where Teo comes is so important. Teo and Toma and Kona. I mean, I'm bullying. Being able to go to that state and say this place in South Bend is is another home for Hawaiians. Uh, and that's to me that's Teo's lasting legacy. Of course, at yeah. Notre Dame. It, it, it isn't it isn't the Heisman run. It isn't the all the awards he got. It isn't the undefeated season in 2012. It is the, he should have never have gone to Notre Dame. He should have never have gone to Notre Dame. And I, I put this up in our in my article about the top 16 top linebacker recruits the last 16 years. Taylor did, did not should not have never come to Notre. Dame. There's no reason for him to come. USC was right there. BYU another one Mormon right there. I mean, there, there was, there was no reason for him to come to Notre Dame. Um, other than Charlie Weiss and Brian Polian worked their asses off to get him there. They sold him on, uh, on what the, what he could be there. And ever since then, Notre Dame has been able to go to Hawaii and be a presence. And Hawaii's got some good football players. And most of the time they're pretty underrated in a sense that, you know, they're not doing all the circuits on the Continental 48 to raise their their recruiting stars. So his lasting legacy at Notre Dame is that Hawaii is a pipeline state now for a school in northern Indiana. That's that's pretty good. A Catholic school for a, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot of LDS kids out there in Hawaii. Uh, and it's just none of the shit matches and yet Notre Dame has made it work. And here, here we are. So that's, that's great news. Oh, you know, we, I forgot to mention, so we're not doing a top five, uh, rank everything tonight. Uh, because I've, like I just ran like, oh, by the way, we're having a podcast tonight. And Jude's like, what the fuck? You know, I was going <laughs> to bed with my wife. I'm like, no, dude, you're not going to bed with your wife. You're going to go do this podcast. So I didn't put a top five together. But I do want to ask you guys this question. Uh, so it doesn't need to be a top five. Uh, but uh, looking at what's today? May today's now it's May 26th. Summer is approaching. So why don't you give me like uh, three of your favorite summer destinations? Like summer is upon us. It is a not post-COVID world, but it ain't 2020. <laughs> so what are, are there? Are there any? What plans you got this summer? Do you have some places, uh, some some spots that you're going to, or you're taking your family to over the summer? Yeah, uh, I'll go. We're a uh, South Haven family. Um, you know, in, yeah. in Michigan, you kind of claim what what your beach is. Um, I don't know if everybody does that, but we're we're a South Haven kind of family. There's Saugatuck people. There's Grand Haven people. Um, we like we like South Haven, so we're definitely getting out to South Haven this year and hitting up the beach. Um, mostly last year wasn't so much the COVID as much as um, we just had Charlotte, so she was, you know, months old uh, and month old for for the summer. But yeah, we're, we're going out to the beach this year. And for those of you unfamiliar uh, with Lake Michigan, 
look, no, uh, Michigan is not Florida, but the beach can fucking wear you down like Florida. Like it, you're still getting the the sun off the lake. And I mean, the, it's the beach, man. It's the beach. It's the beach. It's, and so, yeah, a baby, a baby on the beach is a. Number one, it's a short day. <laughs> it's a short day. Very <laughs> short day. And, and number two, it is a, a very cautious day where it's constantly worried about too much sun of the baby and eating. And it's not very enjoyable. Um, no. But this year, she's going to be a year old. Yeah. We're going to get after it. Uh, yeah. Summertime also means for me a disc golf course. Uh, I've only gotten out once this year, throwing a lot of my chains in the backyard. But uh, pretty excited to get out to the to the old D golf course. Uh, and then I guess if there's a a final third thing that I'm really excited for, um, we've seen a lot of restaurants utilizing outdoor dining, um, and I think we're going to take advantage of that now that the weather is pretty consistently good. Um, I saw people huddled up and you have you seen them, Josh, where they have and probably Jude, you too. Um, they have like these cellophane tents that they've built where they like uh, build these wooden structures. Yeah, the domes, like, the domes. Th- these aren't even domes. These are like I, I've only seen one dome around here. Everybody else has these like wooden structures with like plastic tarp around the sides. And then they have like an outdoor uh, one of those ski lodge uh, heating poles in there, I and think, I and I always looked at that, and I was like, no, no, I'll wait. Yeah, I think as uh, as states are opening up more and more fully, uh, all that shit's gonna get thrown out the window. Oh like, yeah, I li- mean, like literally, our, like thrown in the dumpster. Our our governor, um, <laughs> she uh, she got kind of busted over the weekend. Um, she was in a yeah. pizzeria with like 15 people all elbow to elbow, not wearing masks. And it's funny because she banned anybody, uh, no tables larger than eight. And she had all these restrictions on, on restaurants. And as soon as uh, she got caught doing that, they rescinded all of the restaurant laws in Michigan. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, see how it goes. Yeah. I, I hope she, I hope she enjoys my $178 from parking tickets in 1997. Oh, uh, she, right. probably, she probably paid it on uh, some, some of that delicious pizza. <laughs> uh, Jude, what are you, what are you looking at for this week for this summer? Um, so we have a, we have a first, first time uh, we're going to go on vacation with an, with another couple and their family. And we're going to get like a huge uh, house. Yeah. Um, Six days together. It's going to be oh. in um, just north of uh, Myrtle Beach and 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 I'm actually in North Carolina, so about 40 minutes north of Myrtle Beach, but south of Wilmington. I can't. Just I'm, just to interject real quick. Yeah. House houses on the beach in North Carolina are about a quarter of the price of houses on the beach on Lake Michigan. Just FYI. Interesting. It's it's ridiculous. Um. So we booked it for the for the end of August, sort of like a last hurrah before we go back. You know, everyone goes back to school because um, my wife's a teacher and uh, right. my friend's wife is also a teacher. So, you know, they got that going on. And obviously the kids are off for, for the summer. 
Um, I, the, the, uh, I've been looking at music festivals. Um, I'm not sure I'm actually spiritually ready to go to a music festival, but I like looking at lineups and stuff like that. Uh, Pitchfork just came out with their music festival and I would love to go, except they moved it to September, uh, right after Labor Day. And that actually is terrible for me because that's right when school starts. So I'm not going to be going to that one, but, uh, just been looking around. I, I want to get back to the to the live music. I, I miss it, you know, after a year and a half away. So I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out something that would make sense, you know, that would be maybe smaller, a lot smaller than a music festival. But uh, I think I just kind of like to dabble and, and look at things. And then, um, you know, I, I don't know if I could go anywhere. You know, I, I think I've always wanted to see San Diego. I've always wanted to see Seattle. Um, I'm super interested in parts of Canada that I haven't been to, especially like, um, Alberta or Vancouver. Um, you know, I, I loved Austin, Texas. I would go back there anytime that it wasn't 10,000 degrees. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, just, uh, I, you know, we're not like a, we're not like a Disney family or anything like that. Um, maybe that will come in time. You know, but uh, we're not dying to get to the new Legoland in uh, Orange County, New York. And, and I think we can take our time on that sort of thing. So and we're not Sesame Place people or anything like that. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll just, you know, we'll have a trampoline and a pool and just sort of try to enjoy our summer locally as much as humanly possible. That's dope. Yeah, we uh, <laughs> our my mother-in-law offered a uh Disney World trip for the whole family, right? All of us, sisters, uh, so everybody. And I, I'm trying to talk her out of that because I really don't want any. I don't think she wants that smoke, to be honest with you. I think <laughs> she just wants to. I think she thinks this is a nice thing to do and wants to do it to like make everybody in the family happy. But I think I need to be the voice of reason and be like, Tata, no, no, don't. No, don't do that. We could just do like a, a cabin somewhere. Uh, and so, and like me and my one sister-in-law, we really can't be around each other for like more than like a day anyways. Uh, otherwise there's going to be things thrown. So <laughs> I don't see the point. Uh, but we're not a, I don't know. We're, I think we're past the point. Like my, my daughter's what, 12 now. So we're past the princess part. I mean, the boys are dying to get down to all the Star Wars stuff as am I. Uh, but the thought of the, like a giant fam a giant family trip down there just is not enticing in the least. Um, but this summer, uh, I I am really looking forward to my wife and I getting away uh, for just about a week. We haven't been away from our kids uh, for more than like a couple of days uh, since we've started having children, uh, which is over 12 years ago. So we're going up to uh, Mackinac uh, around uh, beginning of July. We'll be there over 4th of July. Uh, so that's, we're like stupidly excited. We, we had, we were, and this is for our 15th year anniversary, which we had planned to go to, we were, so we were planning to go to Maine. Because when we first got married, like our honeymoon, when we were talking, we were going to go to Maine. We were going to take a train and all this shit. And then you look at train schedules and it's like, you know what? We can't take a two week. I can't take two weeks off for a honeymoon. <laughs> that, that's how bad the trade schedules were. 
But I mean, Mackinac, New England, it's basically the same thing. It's that cold uh, <laughs> at that time of year. Um, so we're really, we're actually really, really excited about getting away from these mongrels for damn near a week. Um, but then just, you know, Brendan says he's a Grand Haven family. Let me tell you what family we are. We are Washington Park, Michigan City family. It is a, uh, it is a pretty rough beach, but it is huge. Look, they 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 were closed all of COVID, and it's like, why? This place is fucking massive, but it gets packed too. I I, I mean I get it, but like we we go to a lot of beaches up up and down the the west coast of Michigan. And we, we love Saugatuck. Uh, have a great time there. Um, yeah, South Haven's great. But Michigan City, for some reason or another, it just it's a great spot. I fucking hate St. Joe. I hate Silver Beach. It's completely overrated. It's overrated as fuck. Uh, Silver Beach, the pizza, overrated. Completely overrated. Uh, and everyone that says that it's, that it's great is just happy that they finally ate after a two-hour wait. Is all, uh, but we we love Michigan City. It's it's a funny town. If you don't know if you don't know Michigan City, it's about forty minutes away from South Bend. It is a strong mix of hood and money. Uh, it is it is a very fun mix of hood and money. And I don't know, man. It's just it's a it's one of those funny little spots that I, we we just ran we just started going to, and because it's something that's that's uh, familiar to us. We go to a lot, but we enjoy it. Uh, so taking the kids up there a few times this year, that's, that's we're looking forward to getting back to that. Um, and then the great state of Ohio has some very good state parks. Uh, we were, we almost lost uh, Dylan in a tragic uh, cliff, <laughs> cliff jumping incident at uh, Mohican state park uh, last month. We would probably go, maybe go hiking back up there again. Uh, but definitely down in Hocking Hills, uh, we're taking them down there. I'm gonna, probably going to have to tie Dylan like with a rope to my hip uh, there because that's a lot rougher than Mohican. Uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, nothing like crazy big, but just like getting out and doing stuff. Like we went canoeing last summer a few times, uh, which we which we love to do as a family is go canoeing. Uh, so we might do that a, few, a little bit more even this year. Uh, but it was, you know, it's hard to, you know, Back last year is like, all right, are you sanitizing the? I mean, it's just it's such a it was such a process to like figure out like how quote unquote safe it all was. Uh, but you know, we all survived, and looking forward to doing uh, doing more of it this year. Good times. No, no, no big travel just yet. No big travel just yet. I just I a just a five. Six hour drive up to Mackinac. Yeah, I well, I was just gonna say I did, <laughs> I did strongly consider flying uh, up to Mackinac, uh, which isn't too bad. Uh, it wasn't too bad of a price. Uh, I thought it'd be a lot worse. But where do you I, find you like Petoskey Harbor Springs? Yes, that's exactly where. So, I mean, you still got to move around. But, I mean, you could take a plane over to the island. So, I don't, 
it, I tossed that idea around a few times and it was just like, well, when you're on the, uh, the drive up, let me know when you pass through Jackson, I can, uh, I can meet you. We, there's a brewery, uh, pretty close there. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to need some white castles ASAP. <laughs> I, I don't know if there is sure white, castles white castles in Jackson though. I don't think so. They, they got a Popeye's, but, uh, there's a, there's about 37 weed dispensaries um, on every street corner. I'm not even exaggerating. You you well, just about every street not, corner there's a weed dispensary. We're not going to be too far away from. Uh, I mean, when you're coming up, you're not too far away from Bay City. You know, just it's a little off. But my you know my cousin runs that dispensary or that the grow house, big grow house up in Bay City. So I've thought about just uh, sticking by there real quick. Uh, because the rules did change up on Mackinac. Uh, at first they were like, to- they were totally against it. Now they're realizing life is good. So yeah, I might, <laughs> I might make a little detour based city. I thought about making a detour into Ipsy. Uh, just, just go, Dude. go show the, go show the big dick that, uh, that I survived. It's, it's, it's probably been a good, uh, I haven't been to Ipsy. I took my brother-in-law. I got tickets for uh, Michigan, Washington in 2001, 2002. I can't exactly remember what year it was, but it was Michigan, Washington. Uh, and so I, I took him up uh, to Ann Arbor for that game. I was like, kind of a thank you for being a cool ass brother-in-law, uh, even if he is a Michigan fan. And, uh, but went through Ipsy there and, Gave special love to the Brick Dick. Uh, Fraternity House was still on its thing. Uh, apparently, Eastern Michigan. <laughs> apparently, uh, they played one total time in 2002. Or no, the last game was in 2002. Yeah, played 12 total times. So it's 2002. Was the year? I, trust the early 2000s. I have no idea when I did what. Uh, <laughs> I just know. I know it was in that time frame. Uh, so I think that was the last time I was up at Ipsy was maybe was then in 2002. So I wouldn't mind making a little detour, go kick it on campus for a minute. Uh, but shit, I just, I would rather just get up to my hotel and max and relax too. But anyways, yeah, that's a long ass drive, man. The, the, the drive through the mitten can, can be long. Probably why I don't go up to Traverse City as much as I'd like. Nice area. Some friends have a place up on uh, up around Sleeping Bear Dunes, and they go up all the time. I'm just like, have you been to Sleeping Bear uh, Dunes? Yeah, yeah, I have. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah it's, it is fantastic. But at the same time, I'm like, I don't know if I'm making that drive. I can make it to michigan city in literally two hours and five minutes so so there i am <laughs> there there's some hypodermic needles in a mound right here oh <laughs> uh, shit well that's it oh you know what i did want to say one more thing about home field before we go so I, we talked, I talked a lot about like, Hey, like all the shit I own. And yeah, I own a bunch of Vanderbilt shit now. Thanks to Clark Lee. Uh, but there is, they got so much cool stuff and they have a, 
very strong lineup of these 16 big new Saturdays, with Notre Dame being the first one. But just the other day, I decided, you know what? I'm going to get in on this. What Homefield offers is a subscription package. So for every big new Saturday, 20 bucks, 20 bucks plus $5 for shipping. So it will be 25 for 25. You will get a shirt from the collection from each new brand new Saturday. Now do not take this as gospel, but I believe you, you get a total of 16. You can have two, two skips. I think like, like if like they are, they've already done Michigan. So you don't have to worry about that. But if like, I don't think USC done, or something. So if they do USC, I could just skip that week and they don't charge me the $25. I don't have to worry about having a USC shirt, which is basically just really expensive fire kindling. Right. So you get like a total of two skips. I think that after five weeks, after five, you can kill it. Yeah, you can kill it. Uh, so but it's it's really cool. And look, if you're looking for if you have if you know someone who is a just a diehard college football fan and appreciates college football, and go look. If you don't know, go look at Homefields. Just dip around, look around their website at the collections they have, the schools they have. There's some cool shit. And you know, so you know someone who's a fan of that, they might that might be a great present for your dad or your brother or your husband or, or whoever uh, it, it's, it's, you know, your, your wife, it, it's some good shit. Listen, my wife steals most of my stuff. Anyways, the, the baseball, the baseball loyalty that I got, I've worn that once. She, she it's hers now. She owns that. That's her bedtime. Yep. yep. That is a concern of mine. Uh, I've, I, I, I got to get, shirts up a size and then i wash them super hot so that they shrink but just the the fact that it's a a size larger just out of pride she won't wear it (laughs) josh talk to talk to us about the sizing i saw i saw on the websites they they suggest on the t-shirt sizing up do you do you feel that way yes because listen um so if you if any of you guys have bought anything that i've sold from breaking tea then it, I always recommended sizing up because they don't really have like they have some like stuff like some women's stuff like the pit had the women's t- uh, tank top, which I don't think any man uh, would wear. I mean, maybe there are some men that would wear it, uh, <laughs> but it's it's more unisex sizing. So if you're if you're a guy out there, size up. If you're an extra large, go to XL. So I'm an extra large like on my best day. So I get two XL. I've been buying two XLs for about a year now from Under Armour, Bricky T, Homefield, whatever. Uh, it, that's about the right fit. So do do that. Uh, make sure that you're you're sizing up. So if you're a large, get an extra large. Just you don't have to trust me on this. You didn't you didn't gain any weight. These are just more like unisex sizings. They're, they're a little more snug. They're they're nice fitting. But the nice thing about it is, like, I got a dad bod. I got a rocking dad bod. And if you follow us on Twitter, you saw my rocking dad bod coaching some Little League like Oof. a fucking legend. Legend. That is not a home field T-shirt that I was wearing. And, <laughs> and that was not very flattering. 
<laughs> so, but these do, uh, these do fit really well. Um, so if, if you're like me, if you're a little, you got a little bit in your gut, just a, just a little bit, uh, they, they really will fit well. They'll look nice, um, as well as being insanely comfortable. But yeah, I wanted to, I just wanted to make sure I put that out there in the universe. There is a cool subscription plan, uh, and I'm on it. I, I, I am bought and paid. So, uh, all the free shit that Homefield send sending my way, I'm going to, I'm still paying for another one, uh, for, <laughs> for Notre Dame and, uh, whatever else they, they throw on the plate in the next 16 weeks. I'm super excited to find out. I, I know some of the schools, uh, I, I know about four or five that I've got through the grapevine, <clears throat> but I am very curious about, uh, what else is out there. And God, if it, USC is an automatic skip. Uh, I think they've already done Florida State. I don't have to worry about that. They've done Florida Miami, State. They've done Michigan. Miami's automatic skip. Uh, but, I mean, shit, I'm also a person who owns a uh, Miami Vice-looking Roll Tide t-shirt. So. <laughs> okay. It was free. It was free. Okay. I'm like, yeah, you got a free t-shirt? So I'll do that. Uh, but, yeah, I just, it's a, it's a cool thing. Maybe it's something you're not sure about right now. You don't know about home field. Get your when they drop that big new Saturday with Notre Dame, and you get that get that gear in your house, and you feel how comfortable it is, and you see how good it looks, and how interesting their collection is. You might think, you know what? I can't wait until they do. Uh, God, what's a school they haven't done yet? Iowa. Have they done Iowa? They've done Iowa. They've done Iowa State too. Kansas State. Kansas, Kansas State. Would be, State. Yeah, there's a good one. Uh, Georgia State. They got, you know, they got a really nice Georgia Southern collection. I was going to say Georgia Southern's collection is very good. It is very nice. I like some it's, of the Appalachian State stuff too. Yes, yes. Uh, and that, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you ought to, their Appalachian State stuff actually is quite rocking. It is quite rocking. Uh, and it literally, you literally get a shirt that says, welcome to the rock, uh, <laughs> for slippery rock. No, that's, that, that's the, um, that's on Georgia or that's on Appalachian state. They have a black t-shirt that says, welcome to the rock. Oh, okay. Uh, no, it's slippery. Now slippery rock. Let me just warn you real quick not to like, not be a seller of home field. But if you're looking through the collection and you're like, oh, man, the Slippery Rock stuff is legit. Let me just warn you that Slippery Rock is also the the official unofficial school of the Michigan Wolverines. So just think about that for a minute. I mean, they they got a, they got some dope Slippery Rock shit. Don't get me wrong. I know. Uh, and I, I, and I, I listen to what what's the connection there? Uh, well, it's in Michigan. Oh. And it's kind of like this. It's it's hard to explain. So when when I went to school at Eastern, I saw a lot of slippery rock stuff. And you got to remember, I was in college, ninety six, ninety seven, ninety eight. The the game hats, which are actually making a comeback now. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the big ones up there uh, said "Rock" on it. Right. And for Slippery Rock, um, I also owned I, I was a proud owner of the Cox hat. 
as a proud owner of a troll's hat because that was the school Sean Kemp was at for five seconds. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Slippery Rock is kind of like the adopted small school of of Michigan fans. Oh. So just just put that out. If you didn't know that, know that. Uh, but there are plenty of other schools. Uh, if you're a, a Mac fan, but you don't like uh, don't like the the Michigan the directional Michigan schools, hey, they got a and they got a Northern Illinois baseball team. I don't I think mean, they've done Toledo yet, right? I mean, nobody in their right mind really wants Toledo gear, right? Oh, that's not true. And they have done Toledo. They have. It's on there, oh. and it's it's really nice looking too, by the way. I mean, they really have. I mean, they do a great job. Yeah, Toledo's on there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Colorado. You know what I like is that is that bold one, the UT one that looks like a shadow bold. I like that one. I really like the Colorado State collection. Yeah, the, the School of Mines. Yeah, this no, the Colorado State. Oh, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado State. School of Mines. Then you got Colorado State. Colorado State has the uh, sassy ram uh, one. <laughs> Which is really nice, uh, but Colorado State was always one. Of, like I got, I don't know, fifteen, probably fifteen schools throughout my life. You know that you pay attention to and you, and you watch. Colorado State was has always been a school that I've done that with. Uh, so th- that's that's a nice collection. They did a good job. They also did the. Uh, they went back and did the old school Colorado State uh, Aggies. Yeah, the AMI. The Rams. So yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like Notre Dame doesn't have like a like they don't have the citronaut stuff going on but i don't know could there be a rambler shirt coming from home field catholics interesting rockney rockney's 11 there better be something from uh, with frank i'm gonna i'm gonna write a a a very strongly worded letter of encouragement for Frank. I mean, maybe you like some Indiana state gear. Maybe you're a big is fan there, of Larry. Is there Bird. a t-shirt that you saw that you were like, I love that shirt, but I would never wear it because of the team it represents. Just about any team that's not Notre Dame. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, there's a lot of schools I'll wear and, and, and have no problem. I love um, some cool Michigan state stuff. I gotta be honest. I would Here's wear my it, problem though, is it, that like, but I think all of somebody, stuff asks you out in public and they're like oh man you're a fan of well that's why i would get something like real obscure like i like the bullet some of the bowling green stuff is pretty good Can't do like with the eagle trash school what are you talking about yeah but it's still that's what i'm that's what i'm saying is maybe for you that's a that's a no that's a no go but oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, i can I think some of their Ohio stuff is great, the Bobcat stuff, but I would never wear it because yeah, emu for life, baby. Emu for life. But I mean, their 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 Ohio hoodie with the eye being the Bobcat, it, it, it's fuck, it's good looking. I, I gotta it be really honest is. with you, the one I'm jonesing for the the worst is the uh, the new Tulane uh, hoodie that's like the soft blue. Oh yeah, fucking that's, great. Look, that Tulane collection is off the hook. You know, it this is, is pretty good, too, by the way, though. Xavier has a really good collection. Xavier? 
oh, this is a Cincinnati adjacent podcast. I know, but I mean, if you know Xavier Dayton, Cincinnati, no, no, that stuff does really anything for me. I like the Dayton stuff better than the Xavier stuff. I mean, I like I like roll blop roll, but I mean, <laughs> as a you you know who they don't have on this collection, Cincinnati. Okay. No, yeah. yeah, they don't. Could they be one of the sixteen? Almost Ooh. assuredly. I think they could be. I kind of like the North Carolina A and T stuff too. Oh my god. Could go broke in this place quick. One collection that I'm disappointed in is Hofstra because I I I owned a Flying Dutchman T-shirt yeah. for a long time. Yeah, that's lame. Uh, that lame. And, but neither one of those shirts uh, that they have have Flying Dutchman. It, they're the pride now, anyways. But I was like, oh man, I bet they could have a dope ass one. I know you oh, will never not... wear, but that drop shadow uh, Ball State hoodie is super sweet too. I I love that I love that distressed uh, red color. Oh, so good. I mean, if I was a Ball State, I'd buy the chirp chirp. Yeah. Chirp chirp. <laughs> chirp chirp. I don't. There's a, a lot of good. That that's what I'm saying. But like, I think a lot of their Marquette stuff's great. But I still remember Marquette being a rival in Notre Dame basketball. Sure. And I never wear Marquette. But like their that light blue Marquette hoodie is mm, so good. Mm, that's it is so good. And I gotta tell you, it feels as good as it looks. I mean, the shit is really nice. It is the super soft fleece that goes into these hoodies and sweatshirts. It's it's fantastic. You, Notre Dame fans will be you're chirping about uh, champion. No, nah. morons, as Vicini would say. <laughs> you ever heard of champion Under Armour? Morons. I no, do this... not think that word means what you think it means. <laughs> oh, dude, there is a dope, dope ass. George Washington collection. This, and this is the right now is the first time I've looked at it. They have a, uh, a George Washington football tee that is fresh. I like the, I like the uh, dribbling George Washington. That yeah, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> so, anyways, like I said, I just wanted to put that out in the universe that they do have that, and right now it is a uh, it is a special. I think it's uh, one, I think one foot. You said before. Well, that that's for when the Notre Dame collection drops. Uh, okay. Your first five, fifteen percent off one foot code. But Home Field right now is running their their special. They're they're selling their subscriptions now, where I think it, normally it is the the thirty bucks. Normally thirty two, yeah. But now it's yeah. 20. Right now right now it's twenty five dollars for shipping, twenty five bucks for every week for sixteen weeks. You get a fresh new piece of home Home Field gear delivered to your house, and it is just you'll be excited. Once you, if you've never owned a home field, once you get it, you're going to be excited. You're going to be like, this is my shirt. I've, I have three drawers full of t-shirts that one of my things in my checklist this week is to get some shit out of them drawers, make, make some fucking room and being a t-shirt person. Yeah. 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 And that's, 
that, yeah. So the the weekend that uh, Big News Saturday is is I think is the weekend of the Subway Dome Garage Sale makes us try over return. Boy. Now I've I've put I've been putting stuff out of the curb the last month with free with free tags uh, on it. And it's been like today I had a bunch of bikes out in the barn. Just took them out to the curb. I needed room in the barn. Couldn't wait for the garage sale. I have so much shit. Uh, so if I don't do a garage sale, just swing by the house over the the month of June and it'll just be loads of free shit. About, I just want to get rid of this. Uh, as long as you're not Amish, I'll give it to you for free. Oh. Uh, they they haggle, man. I got something there for a buck and they're trying to give me like 15 cents. Look, I ain't, I don't I ain't talking about a dime and a nickel. It's a buck. It's a buck. They're the only ones that haggle. They did, they did buy the crystal uh, Coke bowl and spoon, uh, though that my gra- <laughs> that was a gift for my grandma. That <laughs> I did nothing but lie. I mean, who gets a Coke bowl and spoon from their grandma? I mean, I'm sure it was for like salt or something like that. But all I can think about is every gangster movie I've ever seen, and this is exactly what it is. And it was the first item sold. I believe it was the first item sold at the first ever tweeted out subway dome garage sale was the crystal <laughs> to, to a probably early twenties, uh, Amish lady. And I just thought that was the funniest thing ever. Like, enjoy yourself. Love it. So anyways, all right, Jude, you're not, you're not trying to drag this on any longer, are you? No, I, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, just, I, do, I do have one more quick thing, which is oh, that yeah. the women's lacrosse team lost in the quarterfinals to Boston College, which mm-hmm. I sadly predicted on the last podcast. But anyways, um, my favorite player is now she's coming back for the fifth, se- for fifth season because she got a COVID year. So Maddie Howe, welcome back. And can't wait to see you back on campus again next year, ripping it up. Fantastic. Brendan, do you got anything to go out on? <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I have the best news. Uh, it's a shame we're saving it for the very last. Um, because after a long, long time coming, it finally seems as though the University of Michigan has finally seen the light. <laughs> have. Oh, yes. I Canceled. tweeted that out earlier, yeah. Fielding Yost. Um, it's not a done deal yet because they play at Yost Arena, uh, Fielding Yost Arena. It's not a done deal yet. I think they're going to be taking votes until, I think, uh, midsummer on what they're going to do with it. But um, Michigan being the school that it is and Fielding Yost being who he was, there is almost a 0% chance uh, of, that, him that, of him surviving. Um, so the question is, how much do they then start striking him from the record books? And does that mean that Notre Dame gets some sort of formal apology from the university? from his own <laughs> uh, Who's to say? And who knows who, what's going to happen? Who can say? But the racist bigot feeling Yost after yes. 100 years. Call it as you see it. Yeah, that was – I. It's very rarely that I log on to Facebook and see something worth uh, being excited about. 
And earlier today, it. I got on, and the first thing I saw was that. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. finally. Uh, and that was ex- that was exciting. Love it. Canc- canceling Fielding Yost. So good. So good. And the, the, the comments in Facebook were just so good. And I, I mean, and quite honestly, and I, which I was surprised, the, a lot of Michigan fans totally, totally fine with us. I, yeah. I, well, I, I mean, it's it's no secret that he was like a horrible, right. horrible human being human. and a devout racist and bigot. Um, and for a school like U of M that opposes sort of being a liberal bastion of the Midwest to still have a hockey arena named after him and to have his, his uh, legacy not completely scrubbed. I was curious. And, yeah, and it should, it really should be noted too, that back in February, <clears throat> Michigan and Northwestern uh, made a new trophy uh, called the George Jewett trophy. And it's a rivalry trophy. And it's same for the uh, African-American player uh, for, for the first African-American player in FBS history. And he played for both schools. Hmm. That's cool. I mean, not the first African-American player in FBS history, but for them, played at both schools. Uh, first black player in Big Ten history. He's the first black player in Big Ten history. George Jewett. So that, I mean, that's significant. That helps lead to this, to canceling the fuck out of that racist bigot. Uh, Phil Yost, who honestly, uh, in a backhanded way, Notre Dame owes a lot to him being a racist asshole and a bigot. Yeah, you should do. So, I don't I It feels gross to say thanks for being a piece, piece of shit, but <laughs> I mean. I, uh, I, hope he, uh, I hope he finds out the news as he's roasting on a spit in the flames of hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's and, sort of uh, like saying my grandparents met in a concentration camp, so thank you for Adolf Hitler. You know, like yeah, we should, it's, we, should we shouldn't really do that. Maybe pump the brakes there a little bit. Yeah, yeah. just a little, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's um, it's it was definitely some interesting news today, and that's all good. Uh, let's see, I got, I guess one thing: baseball, the. Notre Dame starts her up, be, I guess it would be today, uh, if you're listening to this. Uh, I think they start off against Virginia Tech and then Virginia in their pod. Uh, look, Link Jarrett is ACC Coach of the Year. There mm-hmm. should be no question about that. He, I mean, honestly, Notre Dame was picked to finish like 12th or 13th <laughs> in the ACC. Uh, and they, they had the best record in the in conference. Uh I think they're currently ranked number three ish. Uh, there's, there's so many, there's so many uh, college baseball rankings out there, but I think three is, is where they're at in a few of them. Uh, it, it's postseason play time to get it on. Let's win the fucking conference. Let's, let's stuff it in drive time radio's face, drive time Louisville radio's face. Um, I think let's do this world series thing. 
Let's do College World Series. Let's fucking do it. We're going to get a game in South Bend. I guys like that. Love it. If you are not a Notre Dame baseball fan or don't or have not quite followed where they've been, this is huge. This is insanely huge. Just honest to God, just them being in this position right now is a lot like Notre Dame in the Elite Eight in 2015. This is huge. So get on that. I believe all the games we played on the ACC Network. Um, or so you can catch for the it's ESPN ACC network. It, it won't be hard to find, uh, but that's going on this weekend. So let's do it. And if you have $1.6 million, you can be the seventh offer on Jimmy Clausen's home in Sherman Oaks. He's moving. And his house is selling for a cool $1.6 million. That's it. Uh, well, there's six competitive offers, so I imagine it will go a little higher. But uh, I'd buy it just oh, for right. the wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how big is this deck? Because <laughs> you could dismantle a deck and, and get a pretty pretty good price out of it. Dude, selling homes right now is insane. Yeah. Like They're having another baby, too. Yeah, if we had somewhere to go. We'd sell like right now, mm-hmm. but we have nowhere to go. And if, if we just to go buy another house, we're going to be overpaying. So it, it doesn't do much for you. But if we had somewhere to like, just be for like a year or two and let prices come back down to normal. Ooh, Ooh it's, it's tempting. It's tempting. Oh, is it tempting? My, uh, my brother-in-law try, uh, him and my sister, they don't they don't have any kids. It's just those two. And they just built a house. And I think maybe two years ago. And he was saying, he was talking to her like, like, hey, why don't we just sell the house? We'll make basically double off of what we paid for it. And we'll just go like live in this trailer park down over, down over here for a couple of years and then go build another house. Uh, she wouldn't have anything to do with it. Which I think is insane. Like, if you have no kids, who cares? Like, just think about what you'd have in two years then. You you could deal with the trailer park for two years. I mean, I think maybe if he just would have said, like, an apartment, maybe he could have sold a little better. But he really, he was really having some fun with uh, with her, like, what about this trailer park? <laughs> it's the nicest trailer park in Hicksville. Out. Congratulations, everybody graduated. Go Irish. Bo Bauer, baby. Lots All of right. people. Yeah, I mean, that's. It was. A, I. Jordan Jen Marquis said he was the first person in his family to graduate college. That's pretty awesome. Uh, see, you know, seeing guys like Ovia Gofu, someone yeah. who's going to transfer to Texas and I think have like three years of eligibility, basically. Uh, he graduated. Super excited. Dylan Gibbons uh, tweeted photos yep. and said, "Next stop, Tallahassee." It sure is. <laughs> I mean, it's it's closer than Clearwater. It's got to be a little bit awkward, don't you think? Ship your graduation. Uh, like, hey, see you guys in September. 
You know, I, I, you know, I thought about that before. I, I don't think so. No. I, okay. Th- I, I just don't think this is 1992 anymore. The, I don't. These play. I don't think these players aren't as naive as they used to be. They're. They understand what kind of business this is, and, and really what kind of business is about to be uh, when we start seeing all these NIL laws start really coming around. Uh, and I, you know, again, Dylan Gibbons, a guy who he put in, he didn't he didn't transfer after his sophomore year. You know, he put in his time. Mm-hmm. He's he's leaving South Bend with his degree. Got nothing but love for him. I I don't care if he transferred to Michigan. He 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 went to Notre Dame, did his time, got his degree, and left. Sure. Okay. I'm not I'm You're, not casting aspersions. I just think it's kind of a little awkward. You know. Well, I mean, I'm. Sh- it's like coming back one last time to see your ex. It doesn't to, mean there's to get not your some stuff, right? You're getting your stuff from your ex before you move on. Yeah, I'm sure there's some jibbing, right? Of course. How does that not, how does that not come up? So jibbing. All right. Someone's got to go to bed, and we went over three hours. So. <laughs> My home field, go Irish.